0: The Bar Star Podcast is a show full of stories, opinions, and sarcasm hosted by a working musician based in Louisville, Kentucky. Wait a second. This guy knows he's a drummer, right? Not an actual musician? Why would anybody want to... Never mind. Star Podcast. Public service announcement. I think I'm finally over my fucking crud, so I'll just leave that there. I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody had a good week, and as always, I hope you guys went out and did some shit. Thanks for checking in on me, and thanks for checking in on my sponsor. I've heard some good reports that you guys have been checking out Prophecy Inc. I appreciate it, and they appreciate it as well. I am not flying solo today, I have finally defeated RMT, which is Ryan Murphy time, and he's actually here, in front of me.
1: I think, I, I was early, actually. Oh, we were supposed to start at 1.30, and I actually said, let's start a half hour earlier. You did. And I was here before 1 o'clock. You were. I could, you know, when my wife listens to this, she's going to be, she's not going to believe it.
0: No, she's no. Gonna go but but it, is, it
1: is true, it is very <laughs> true. So with that said, how are you, sir? I'm good. Uh, you know, I'm, on, uh, I'm a little tired. We played with uh, three gigs in a row. We, did, we, had, we got two down and then we have the Chow Wagon Tonight, which of course this will air after that. But
0: Yes, yeah. it will, but it's a nice time frame to know where we are.
1: Right, right, exactly. It's derby time. So, you know, as you know, derby time is like Christmas for musicians. Yes, it it's is. When all the good gigs come about and yes, it is. all the good monies. And, you know. I like good monies. I love good monies. You know, I, I look at it like this, with all, with all of our years of experience and knowledge of what we're doing, it's about time we get some good <laughs> Good Lord. I agree. <sighs> I'm, I'm too old to pray for, for beer and a sandwich. Yeah,
0: no, I don't do that. Okay, so apparently I still have a little bit of my crud left, but whatever. So, you and I have been friends since I moved here 11 years ago. You were one of the first
1: people I met because you worked at Mom's. You worked at the drum shop. Ran the drum shop at Mom's Music. The you greatest did. job on the planet. I remember, here's a little story. I remember I was working at, I got hired on at Mom's. I worked at all the music stores. Except I didn't work at Far Out. I did get hired at Music Warehouse. I was hired at Music Warehouse and then Mom's hired me. And then my boss, who ran Dixie Music Center at uh, Hudgens outdid their bids so i stayed right gotcha and then as the web development started running i was doing a web company uh mark and max reached out to me to put you know to really get develop the web and do a lot of things that they were doing uh, with website stuff so i went over there and, and did that Worked at the Jeffersonville store and i remember as i'll use the word they were reluctant about putting inventory online at that time right Mark approached me and said, hey, you know, man, I don't know if we can keep you around here. The only thing I can offer you is like uh, the guys leaving at the drum shop in Frankfurt. I can offer you, you know, to run the drum shop. You're offering me my dream job. You know, that all I've ever wanted since I was a kid is, is to run a drum up shop. I mean, is, is to, you know, Dave Beck did this job. I get to be Dave Beck. You kidding me? This is the most amazing thing ever. It's the greatest day of my life. Yes. And thank you. Nice. And it was, it's, you know, you get to meet all the drummers and, 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 uh, back before 2008, before the economy crashed, all the companies had expense accounts Mm -hmm. and people don't realize that, that mom's music. Um, we were huge. It was huge. We were one of the biggest Yamaha, uh, dealers, you know, in, in, in the region. Right. I I made 80% of my income off selling Yamaha and, we did a lot, like a lot, like when you look at what it costs to stock that drum shop. I mean, it's a huge amount of money. And of course, that Frankfurt Avenue shop was classic. It was before you moved to town. But
0: yeah, I never got to see the Frankfurt store.
1: It's interesting, man, because you know, I remember back then. You know, when when we were at the Frankfurt store, and even the early days of the Melwood before two thousand eight, selling a five six thousand dollar drum kit was a daily event. Right. You know, it was just daily. And then after it's interesting how quickly it turned because after 2008, selling a 500 dollars drum kit was a struggle.
0: Oh yeah, no, I get it because after 2008 is when my student numbers dropped dramatically. Yeah, we're a luxury item. I get it. We're the first thing to go.
1: Yep. I can recall being at the NAMM show and our Yamaha rep at the time, Steve Hauer, one of my favorites. I remember being at the NAMM show, and I'm with Max, and we're at the Yamaha booth looking at the drum stuff, and they had a 5x14 Absolute Birch Pink Sparkle snare drum, Mm -hmm. and going, oh my gosh, look at that, and I had my Silver Sparkle kit with my maple, but I wanted the second snare. Look at that, that's the most amazing, oh my gosh, I have to get one of those, and we're talking about a bunch of stuff, and then I wasn't home from the NAMM show two days, knocking on my door, GPS... I go out, open up my uh, my door, look at my porch, and it's a box from Yamaha. Nice. And that stuff, stuff like I remember, he walked in one time, and um, the black crows were at the palace, mm-hmm. and we were all talking about going. And he was to give you an idea how much Yamaha we sold. He had the authority to do whatever for us. Right. He walked in. What are you guys talking about? Man, Black Crows are in town. <clears throat> They're playing the palace. We'd really love to see them. We just not have any tickets. And he was like, how many people do, wants to go? Damn. I, did, I said, hang on. I did a count. I was like, 12. He whipped out his AMX expense account. Made a couple of phone calls. Bought us all seats. Good seats. Like, day of the show, got us, like, fourth row Day of the show. Stuff like that happened every single day. 2008 hits, a rep would walk in, want to talk about gear, or place an order. Right. And my line was always like, man, I can't really think with low blood sugar. We need some lunch. I got a hungry staff here. (laughs) Because if you're going to come in and give me a sales pitch, you know, feed me. Right. You want to sell me some product, give me an incentive, feed me. You're lucky to get a Snickers bar out of after 2008. It just all shut down. But anyway. It all did stop. Yeah. I, I remember that. Back to better times. <laughs> you wanna know, get me on the economy and the crash, then I go with political, then you'll throw me out of the room.
0: I will. You you
1: you are a, a <laughs> listener of my show.
0: Because you're you're one of my close friends, I will not call you a fan. You are a listener of my show. So you know that if you're I'm you a start... connoisseur. Oh the show, look at the... Okay, fine. Fair enough. You're a connoisseur. Either way. You start talking about that shit, I will throw you the fuck out.
1: Yeah, man. Baiting. Can't be doing that shit. Hey, which, by the way, just a public service announcement to my children. Boys, if you're listening to this, some of those words that Steven's using, you're not allowed to use those until you're at least 37 years of age. Um, okay, that's it. Daddy never talks that way. Your daddy's a liar. <laughs> He's a liar. Yeah, okay. He fibs
0: once in a while. <laughs> Once in a while? Can we go twice in a while at least? Yeah. Meet in the middle? Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so let's. I don't want to start. I don't want to do the whole start at the beginning, all that kind of crazy bullshit. But why do you hate DW so much? I'm kidding. Wow. No, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. <laughs> That's been our running joke for years. DW. Wow.
1: Uh, so coming from the. You didn't even see that one coming, did you? I, I don't mind it. Coming from the, uh, I mean, I've been working in drum shops and selling drums and, and, and doing this since, wow, for 20, 25 years. So there's two different DWs. There's DW from back in the day when it was a small shop. Right. And they were hand-making drums. Right. Then there was, when drum Workshop started to get his big fame, Everybody was they were endorsing everybody, and every 16-year-old kid had a kit. They can't keep up with demand. They have to mass-produce that kit. Stuff, so for that's me, code for shit. Well, for me, when when I'm ordering this stuff and I'm seeing it come in, I'm seeing flaws everywhere. Right, a flaw. There's a cut. How did QC not catch this? How did the dude putting the heads on this and tweaking this thing out not see that these dings in the rims or you know the the different things going? On? Like, how, how is this possible? Right. You know. So for so for me, it was. If you called the company, the reps were great. I loved all the reps. But if you called the company itself, hands down, the worst customer service I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Hmm. Hands down. See,
0: I've never had to deal with that, and I've never used their drums. I, I, I,
1: I had, I had a guy, uh, a gentleman, who ordered a kit. He ordered uh, a, a drum about every couple of months, and he was, you know, custom doing this kit. So he orders a certain. Uh, it might have been a wrap. I don't know what it was. It takes forever to get this drone. Right. It finally comes in. They No one makes anyone aware that they, they changed their supplier of wraps, which means the color is going to be off a of hair. Right. So before he brings it to my attention, he calls DW. And the customer service rep says to him, and I quote, It sounds good, doesn't it? What are you worried about then? Ugh. <sighs> Which he's infuriated and comes to me. Right. You know, I make calls into the company. He just so happened, I don't remember the owner of the company's name. He just so happened, re, happened to have the owner's cell phone number. He met him at some clinic from way back in the day. Right. Calls him, tells him what's going on. That dude walked onto the floor that morning and said, stop production. You're making this kit. Made him a whole new kit. Make this kit. Sent it to this address. Then called him up and said, "You're, you're going to have a new kit in a matter of weeks. When you get it, take your time sending the old kit back." Here's my point. My point being, when they were small, and the president of the company was aware to see what's going and on. And he was on time, hands on. Hands on. It's kick ass, right? When you're when you're so huge that you're supplying <coughs> Guitar Center with, um, <laughs> okay. and you're in business with them, and you you've you've Growing big is fun. You want to be big. Right. But when you get so big that you lose control over your quality.
0: I get that. I, I just, I've and, always. And,
1: and and from a drummer perspective, we're talking a drummer perspective. Right. I had a DW kit. I thought that's what I needed for to go to the next level to do the studio stuff that I was doing and do all these sessions I was doing. And every time I walked in the studio, I'd walk in, I'd bring that kit in, and the engineer producer would say, we're not using that. Huh.
0: I've just always thought it was funny because it's been our running joke because I've never had DW drums.
1: I'm gonna get so much hate mail and so no, much not. hate responses do, do you know from all fucking, DW fans. Do
0: you know how much hate I get? But here's the thing. You do not know this that, about not me. that. Not
1: that when I was touring around and when I would send I would have to send my, my gear writer in,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? It would say, you know, Yamaha would be my first choice, Pearl. And then in huge, ginormous, bold letters with asterisks, it would say, absolutely no DW. <laughs> <laughs> well, the reason I think it's funny between
0: us that we always talk about your hate for DW is because... It's not between
1: us. It's going to be for the world. But it's not a hate for the company. No, no, don't understand. No, no, no. It's, it's, it's not a hate. I'm not using the word hate. I'm just saying that that when you get a company like that, that gets so huge, right? they forgot what it was about the quality of everything and true and and great, great marketing. When you build your name up so huge, but most drummers forget how, how custom, you know, I'm a Yamaha fan and you talk about a big company. Yamaha is huge, but what most people don't know, there's only a handful of people that work in the factory in Japan that custom make those drums, right? There's one guy that does all the finishes. So it is from my knowledge and my understanding and, of course, I've been out of the biz on that side of things for about six, seven years. It is the most custom-made drum out there.
0: I, I, would, I, would, I, could, I would probably agree with that. I know how Yamaha is. But what I'm getting at is I love and I am obsessed with and I have all DW pedals. And that's where our running joke started years ago because you kept giving me shit because I used DW pedals. And I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck where they came from. I don't For think my I,
1: foot, let me just let they're me. They're the
0: only ones that I like. Let
1: me just clarify this, not that I gave you shit about it. I think what I said was you totally like, gave me shit. Oh, you you, you use DW pedals? Yeah, I think and I said and I quote, make sure you buy some spare parts because because not, not I only I believe you did not only when I was running the drum shop did I work in the drum shop, but I repaired stuff. Right, and I was constantly repairing DW pedals. There was common issues with every single one of them. Which I find amusing. The
0: reason I find it amusing is I haven't had that many issues. I'm on... Mm, I'd have to really think, think about it, but I think I've had one set of 5,000s. 5,000 hi-hat stand. I'm on my second 9,000 hi-hat stand. I broke the first one. It was my fault. I completely. I stood on it like an idiot. I was trying to do, be cute. You know me. That one broke on my fault. And I'm on my second 9,000 double pedal, but my first 9,000 double pedal is in my teaching studio. They're both still operational. I haven't had that many issues. But the reason I think it's amusing that you said that is because I think a lot of guys, and now here's where I'm going to get hate mail, I think a lot of guys have shitty foot technique. And they don't know how to play a damn kick pedal.
1: Probably. I mean, looking back at, you know, and sharing knowledge... From working in the drum shops, and of course, you know, from teaching, you know, that well, was, and
0: that's why I say partially is because
1: of teaching. Sorry, go ahead. That was some of the biggest, biggest things out there. It was like, you know, I probably talked about, you know, uh, foot technique and, and ways to play, you know, because I would get asked that a lot. How do you do that thing there? You know, it's like, well, no one's ever talked about that, right? But, but, for, but for me, it was great because you know, I, I always had as a kid. Want to learn how to play, and this is something too that connects to what we're talking about. I mean, I had I could go into the drum shop, and I had Max. Yeah. We had Dave Beck, and we had Brad Candidate at Far Out, and we had uh, uh, all these great drummers that were really good drummers that had all this knowledge, and they loved to share it. Right. So for me as a kid, you know, I could sit there, you know, and it, 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 Dave Williams. Dave Williams had great knowledge on on tuning, and he learned all this stuff from. Dave Beck and everybody else too I mean so to be able to share all that knowledge and it, it almost felt like you were in of course this pre-internet or anything, Like you felt like you were in this club of right. knowledge they were like oh my gosh I've learned all these from these greats and they're great they're all great players absolutely and great musicians are. and they're all still playing to this day and you got to learn all of that it was amazing and for me it was great because I got to pass all that knowledge on right You get to see these kids and pass it on. And then, you know, you get to watch these kids develop, you know, Mitch. Oh, yeah. Like every time Mitch puts a video up on Facebook, I watch it and just go, I love this because this, he's like us. Oh, yeah. There there was a lot of kids that would come in that just, you know, they just play, they're goofing, they just want to play. But you see a kid like Mitch come in, you're like, he's special. He's like us. He's like, he's... When I got this, this, Mitch. this kid's gonna be this kid's on a on a career path. And oh, absolutely. And not to interrupt, but you but you got Mitch. And I remember Mitch asking about you, and I told him, which I told all, all the students too. I was like, well, "Listen, if you're gonna start with O'Reilly, he's not fucking around. <laughs> <laughs> he's not. If you don't practice and you come in, he's liable to make you do pushups. So if you're willing to accept that, I'll sign you up. And you know, and 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 that because I knew you, all, uh, all the drum teachers were great but i love that you took it serious like it was well I, I did and and i wrote
0: about it in the book and i don't know if i've ever talked about it here but part of the, the the biggest reason i shouldn't even say part of the reason the biggest reason i've i take teaching so seriously is my parents never supported me i busted my ass for every shred of knowledge that is in my head every piece of anything i got and i'm not talking gear i just mean how to fucking play music, how to play drum. I killed myself for all that shit. So when I see a kid come in and their parents are spending money, you're going to do the work. But what I was going to say about Mitch is I've described him like this for years. Mitch Kirkpatrick, by the way, is who we're talking about. And who does listen to the show? Hi, buddy. Um, He was a power plant. He was like this little fucking generator with all this power, but he had nowhere to go. He had no direction. He didn't know where to shoot all this power he had coming out of him. I didn't really do a whole lot with him. I'm giving him the credit, not me. I just kind of went, okay, you need to do this, 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 and this. Point this that way. Shoot that that way, and you're going to be good. He stayed with me for three or four years. Then he went out to Musician's Institute in California. Graduated there, then moved to Nashville. Landed a tour. He played in Nashville for three or four years, and now he just moved to Indianapolis. Now he's up in Indy.
1: Yeah, he, he's, Mitch, if you listen, you know, I I, I take great pride in his progress. Oh, I do too, absolutely. I mean, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't his teacher, but I, I felt like that, you know, we advised him in some good things, you know, or, or gave him some good direction. And he gave me a lot of knowledge on a lot of things. He's a oh, really yeah. smart kid. He's super smart. I say kid, I just called you a kid, Mitch. Uh he is a kid though compared he, to well, us compared to us he's a kid Dude, but, we're fucking but, old. But it, it's it's I love watching his progress and I love watching him succeed and, and I truly believe and have believed this that we'll see great things coming from him, you know huge things, huge tours or something of that nature. Oh, know, absolutely coming from that kid because oh, yeah. he's he's he wants it. No, it,
0: Mitch, I will not be your fucking drum tech.
1: I will. <laughs> come at that. but see he's not gonna let us because his his dad's gonna be his drum tech that's that's who's gonna tech for him which, which also too i mean you know it, it is it, his parents should they deserve a lot of credit they're good people and they're awesome parents and they really encouraged him
0: no they absolutely did they they uh his mom's awesome his Dad's pretty cool his dad's a little weird he, uh, I remember the first time I met his dad and he, he came in and he said, well, can you teach him this, this, and this? And I finally turned around and I went, uh, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'll give you a month and if you don't like it, you can take him somewhere else. Obviously, he stayed with me for three years. So which they been, both have been super encouraging. Absolutely.
1: Which is awesome because, you know, you, you get to know different teachers and some looked at it like a job. Mm-hmm. I need students. I need this income. You know, and... and some teachers, not just drum, but bass and guitar. It was awesome to... And I, I, you know, part of my job was getting those students and putting those students with, with the right teacher and making that right fit. Right. And I, and I felt like I did a really good job with that because... You did.
0: I'll, I'll, I'll agree with that 100%. You know, I, I,
1: I knew the ones that really cared, and I knew the ones that would go, they're going to take this player under their wing, and this is because I wanted to see drummers. Right. I didn't want a, a bunch of kids, you know, it's like playing yeah it's great all these kids play drums and I get to sell drums and we get to make an income and I get to feed my family but I wanted to see drummers I wanted to see you know all these great cats around town that 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 we got to see that I hope my boys get to get to grow up and see I mean it's it breaks my heart that my boys don't get the experience of going into a local shop and hanging out right you know and really just hanging out all day and absorbing knowledge and getting to know the people that that, that worked there and, and you know that's how I got started working in music stores was Billy Sutherland was running Preston Music Center and I went up there on a Friday I mean I remember exactly what I was doing I went up there on a Friday my buddy popped by uh, and said what are you doing I'm like eh, I'm gonna go head out later and I was pretty young he's like well, let's go to the music store we popped in there and I was in there for five minutes and Billy said are you working anywhere I said no he goes do you want to work in the in the music store, nice. He was a friend of the family. I was like, yeah. I worked a split shift. I went at nine o'clock in the morning and I worked till two. Then I went home and I came back and worked five to I think eight in the morning. I worked with Rusty Inns You don't know Rusty, but Rusty mm-hmm. is a, a technically legally blind. He can't drive. Right. But so I would go into President Music Center in the mornings and Rust. I mean day one we did this every morning rusty would send me there was a moby dick right next door he would send me over there for coffee and egg rolls and i said i, I, I don't want any I'll, I'll go get it for you He's like no, no no you have to eat this with me and that was our ritual so i would get coffee and egg rolls and i got to sit down and you know and clean and do some things and listen to rusty just dump all this knowledge onto me nice about gigs and leading a band and what to expect and how it works and, just priceless knowledge that this dude would dump onto me, and then I'd leave. And of course, it gets busier, and then I would come home. I would go home and then nap because I was up all night the night before, and then go back to work for my second shift. And then you've got Billy's in there, and all the rest of the cats and the teachers, and they're, you're getting all soaking all the knowledge up from them. Right? And it was really—I mean—working in music stores was one of the greatest things things ever in my life and it was it was like at the right time right. you could make a really good living doing it I enjoyed it, I miss it sometimes. Well
0: I, I think there's I mean there's obviously a lot to be said for all that but I, I do think that there and just, I'm just going off of what I see through my students I think there's a there's, there's a thread of a shift coming because finally people are, are getting sick of I don't really know what the word is, so we'll just call it virtual knowledge. They're kind of getting sick of it because they're missing so many things. Like there's 14, 15, 16-year-olds that they want to go buy an actual CD. They want to go buy a vinyl. I've got one kid who's obsessed with cassettes, which I'm like, dude, please do CDs and vinyl because cassettes were great, but they sounded like shit. They were the worst sounding of the three. But they're going to act. They want physical product again. And now that you've got Tommy Seward Aunt Mom's, which is awesome for me because I get to see his face every day. Um, And he's going to bring that whole vibe that left when you left. So for me, it's cool because, okay, Ryan's been gone. I left for a while. I came back. I've been back for three, four years, however long it's been. There's not been a drum shop guy there. And now Tommy's there. I'm like, yes, and he's been there two months and it already looks like a drum shop.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, I went by there about a week or so ago, and it was great because I mean, I haven't physically seen Tommy in umpteen years, right? Because you know, he was always working over at Far Out, and I was always working, and you know, I'm gigging and he's gigging, so you know, we, we chat on the phone a whole lot. So, you know, of course, his he's got a customer looking for something, he'd call me, and I, I got a guy looking for something, I'd call him. Um, so it, it, it's it's interesting, and and you know, the big box stores did come in and destroy that whole small store mentality, I think I saw something on Facebook recently where uh, people were talking about you know, how it's still a music store mentality with the big box stores and they're bringing things back. No, it's not. Not at all. Right. I mean, the guys that work there, you sell, you're fired. You sell, you're fired. Now, you want to Pretty sell. Much. You always want to sell. But for me, I always wanted to sell you the right thing. Right. What are you doing? What's your application? Not just like, oh, you're interested in this. You've got it pulled up on your Amazon, on your phone. You're showing the dude. That's called clerking it. The dude's there. They'll just clerk it. Yep. You know, it's nice to... I mean, with Tommy, as much knowledge as I feel like that I have, I, mean, I get to learn so much more about if I need something, hey, I can go in there popping a Tommy. We can sit there and talk and he can shed some light on a bunch of oh, things. Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, you're right. I should be doing it like that. Oh, oh yeah, he's super no, smart. Th- that's right. I mean, I get it in my head. I should be using this head for this application to get this particular tone that I want. Yeah, you know, and it's it's great to have that. I've always said this for years. I spent so many years working and running drum shops to where it's like, you know, drop off your kit. I'll rehead it. I'll clean it. I'll tune it. I'll tweak it. You take it and go to your studio session. Like, yeah, Tommy's at Mom's now, so soon I'm going to just pull up in my truck and just dump my kit in there. <laughs> and just write down a list of like, here's what I would like on there. Please tweak this. I'll pay whatever. Which, by the I've way. I've never had the opportunity to do that. So which, I'm, I'm
0: which by the way, I'm throwing you under the bus. You fucking uh-huh. need to. Yeah. Because the last time I sat behind your rig, which wasn't very long ago, I, I looked down and I looked at you and you were like, I know. Oh, well, I no. need to
1: change my heads. Well, I don't want no, to hear. It. Wait, wait, well, but So, to, 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 to clarify a couple of things, I've already done that. Oh, did you? Yeah, so like last night. Oh, well, damn fun- it. And it's funny because, you know, Bob and, and we did a a fun for the arts gig this past Thursday, and Kevin Kilton ran sound. He was like, night and day, your kit is night and day. He's like, you put new heads on? I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, I could totally hear all of it. Nice. And. Yeah, I went and did, but you know, I I I am also a profit player. You know, I look at every gig and go, "Here's my gig," and because I, mean, I run it like a business, and so do you. Absolutely. Here's my gig. If I'm making X, but I'm spending Y, what am I left with?
0: You mean you don't want to play for exposure?
1: Well, I I know that my I know that my kids love my kids love baked exposure. <laughs> And they they love exposure salad, mm-hmm. and in the mornings, uh, for lunch when I send them to school, I, I make them all an exposure sandwich. Yes, and exposure yeah.
0: sandwiches are good.
1: But no, I mean you have to look at that. You mean, know, I, I if I could get two more gigs out of these heads, right? because I mean, heads are expensive. Oh, I, I I get it. I have more drums than you. Espe- I get it. Especially now that you don't work in a music store and you get that special discount. I mean, they're expensive. <laughs> I enjoyed paying paying cost for stuff, and then you had companies that would just give you endorsements, not because I'm good, but because I sold their product. Because how valuable is that? Right. What do you use? I use the best, man. I use Sabian. That's what I use. I'm right. the expert, and I use this product. So yeah, so companies would, would would take care of you on that. So now that now that I'm a civilian, <laughs> a retail civilian. You know, now, and I'm paying regular prices for this stuff, and right. it's insane. So, I mean, you have to look at it like, you know, yeah, my drums could sound a little bit better. Is that is those drunk people over there dancing really care about how my drums sound? Not really. Do they still sound good in my ears? Yeah. I'll get a couple of more gigs out of these heads before <laughs> I change them. Because, you know, you spread that cost out over top, you know, so by the time you buy a beverage and you buy some food at the venue and you bought drum heads and you bought sticks and batteries for your in-ears and whatever maintenance cost it is, then you look at the bottom line of what, what did I make at this gig? No, I get, I get it. Music, so, music cover band business 101.
0: Yes. Always, kn- always know your numbers, kids. Always know your numbers so when did you start playing
1: I had a fascination with drums my entire life opening up the encyclopedia and and I remember you when you got to drum there was a dude playing a snare drum and then a dude playing a tom-tom right and it was just I just was obsessed with that whole thing and then you know kiss came out and you're obsessed with Peter Chris and his big kit so I had an obsession with it and those damn flangers on his drums, right? Forever, and and oh, it was crazy. And it was just just drawn to it for some reason. Just always drawn to it since I was a kid. And I can remember my my, my parents got me a snare drum, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm just banging on the snare drum and whatnot. And
0: phrase um, how old are you for people that don't
1: know? Forty eight. Okay, go ahead. So um, banging on the snare drum. It was fun, but it wasn't fulfilling. And of course, I should have like went and practiced and learned how to read music and learned all that stuff and learned some ding, ding, da, ding, <laughs> ding, 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 ding. But I didn't. So anyway, that's jazz for the non-jazz snobs, right? Uh, so I put that went into the closet, went by the wayside, and then uh, I was fifteen, maybe, maybe probably probably no, maybe fourteen or fifteen, and then. Um, my brother's, my older brother's girlfriend, her younger brother, had a Ludwig kit in the basement. So when he would go hang out with her, I would tag along to hang out with him, and we'd sit in the basement and play. And right. he would show me some stuff, and it just like, and I was off to the races. I, I, so I, you actually started later than I did. Yeah, I, I was obsessed with it, and then
0: because um, I started late, I was kind of like you, and in. in You've heard enough of my shows. You know that I always struggle exactly when I started playing, but I do know it was around the age of thirteen-ish. And you actually started a couple years after that. I didn't realize that.
1: Yeah, and then and then six degrees of Ryan Murphy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, going to be a section on the show, I think. Scott McKenzie, who uh, did you did you play? You came into the Heaven Hill Breaker Ridge guys after Scott, right? Or was it? I replaced Jesse Mefford. Right, so it was Scott, Jesse, you.
0: I Well, I think, if, if my memory serves me, Jess, Scott was in Breckenridge, Jesse was in Heaven Hill. Right,
1: right, I, but I'm saying that it's kind of, you know, it's, Yes. Yep. take out one or two members for that whole clan. Yep. So, uh, Scott McKenzie sold me my first kit. Oh, this, gotcha. This little, uh, this like Ludwig kit, so it was like the first one I ever had, and it was awesome, and it was so cool. You still have it? No, I, I remember I, I took the finish off of it and I stained it, which I don't know why my dad let me stain this thing as a little kid and how toxic staining is. But anyway, be it as it may. So, um, I did the same thing. That's kind of weird. I did that to one of my my first rigs. I, I, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I, I don't think it was anything exotic like a vintage. I think it was more of a club series. Right. Um, but it was cool, you know, and it was, it was neat, man, because my... My father, I wouldn't say, was the most supportive by going out and seeing you play. Right. But on the other token, he let me build a stage in the garage. Nice. Like this. We built a stage and hung a little little stage light. We had a little ramps coming up the side of a thing. It was super cool. And um, he wasn't musically inclined, but, you know, the coolest thing was I would literally, I, I didn't, like, you get did homework. Did you say the L through, word? Right, I did. Sorry. So you would take your homework and like, I'm telling you, you need to make those shirts. I would buy one. <laughs> I would take, I would. I just wouldn't do my homework. I wasn't interested. I just wouldn't play drums. So I would come home and go right to the garage and sit there and play. And I would just play and play and play, you know, just this open garage, just play. And I'm trying to learn, I'm trying to figure things out. And then the neighbors would complain and a cop would show up. Right. Right. And the cop would pop in and then about the first time he did it, my old man goes out there and he was like, nope, off my property. Here's what the noise ordinance is and the zoning thing, blah, 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 get in your car, get out. If he's playing past X time, which is what the noise ordinance is, I'll deal with him. You won't need to come back. Now go. Damn. My old man was kind of a badass. (laughs) (laughs) Keep that in mind. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't play games, but he knew where he was at, and and it was cool because I was sitting there and play. And when it became time uh, for dinner or like time to stop, he would do the light. He would flick the lights in the garage. Right, yeah. and it was like, "That's that's time to stop." But it was cool, man. I mean, I, I probably ruined my hearing back then because I I just I couldn't. You know, you remember that you how do i get the volume louder
0: yeah I, over
1: top of the drums the drums yeah. how how is you know kids nowadays can pop in their, their in-ears and, and their phones but you know back then it was like how do you get this thing louder how much louder can it be and, and i can remember i can remember that garage i can remember playing i can remember the kit i can remember the heads i can remember like all this this all nice. stuff like everything
0: now when was your when was your first gig how old were you?
1: I want to say that I was a maybe a senior in high school, maybe. And I don't remember the I don't remember the name of the band, but I remember where this where it took place. Like I could drive to it right now where it took place. And I want to say Brian. I don't remember Brian's last name. Could be Peak, maybe. And uh, Chief was on guitar. I went to high school with Chief. Great guitar player. Um, I think he lives in Arizona now, or something. And I'm not sure who the other guitar player was. And I want to say the bass player. Bass player was Sean Flannery. I'm friends with. He plays. Sean plays for Rifle. Gotcha. And forgive me, Sean, but I'm pretty sure that you you're in that band. Uh, but we would practice over uh, at Brian's, and we just did this little backyard thing. Right. And just and and played out in the backyard, and that was super cool. And then it was my whole thing. The only great thing that that. Most of the guys that I, you know, because in, in in our neighborhood, people were in bands. Right. In high school, there were bands. There were bands, 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 bands. And a lot of people stayed in that comfort zone or that click of like, I'm just going to hang here. And then, oh, Stephen quit. So I got nothing going on because Stephen quit. Right. But I kept going, well, it's it's small world. So anybody who wanted to play, yes, I'll go play. Yes. You want to play? Yeah, I'll go play. You just go play with everybody.
0: Right. See, I didn't have that where I spent my teenage years because I lived in Shitzville, USA, and there was none of that. There was three dudes that can play, and I was one of them, and the other two were guitar players. That's pretty much it.
1: There, there, there were some Sucked. Good, there was some really growing up. We had some really good, really good musicians. There were some really good players, and not many of them. Continue. Not many of them continue to play professionally. Right. Whether that be touring or or just club gigs or cover band, whatever it is. There's not many of them doing that, and there's some that like, man, I really wish you would have just, you know, and there's 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 people have different paths and different people are passionate about different things, but you know, from once I found music, oh, I didn't care about anything else, right? Like I I didn't drive or get a car until in my late teens, really, because it was just like, no, I don't really care about this. My thought was like, I'll just play drums. Because if I play drums and I play drums well, I could find a girlfriend and drive me around. So. <laughs> I'm just gonna, and, and it worked. My theory worked out. Nice. And, and I'll just, you know, I, this is all I want to do. I don't really care. But it was great because I, there was a lot of the kids in my neighborhood that I grew up with. There was some, it wasn't a great neighborhood. There was some really troubled kids. and they loved, yeah. Right. A lot of trouble, a lot of drugs, and trouble to get into, and that. been playing music really kept me, kept me out of that, and kept me focused. Right. Funny to say that music would keep you focused and away from drugs. <laughs>
0: well, <it's, laughs> I've said it on the show before. I mean, cliches are cliches for a reason because they work, but sometimes they don't work because music kept me out of trouble as well, and I saw one of the greatest memes ever the other day. Uh, it was a picture of a ginormous drum kit, probably about the size of mine. I'm just kidding. Mine's not that big. Mine just looks big. Uh, but it said, teach your kids to buy gear. They'll never have money for drugs. Oh, that's, that's a great...
1: Yeah, it's true. That. They won't, especially if they're a drummer. Well, and, they'll and never it, have money for drugs. you, you got to keep them... I mean, as a father... I'm a father of three, three boys... So you know, <laughs> aren't you a busy little beaver? You gotta, you, you gotta keep them busy. You gotta keep them active. You know, you know, For me, and, and and some of the troubles from my childhood and family thing going on, it was like it. it if it wasn't, for, I love and so passionate about music because if it wasn't for finding that music, right? I don't even know if I would be here. Right. No, I. Would, I, I, I would I get probably it. be one of those statistics of this troubled teen that couldn't deal with what was going on that just like ah, oh, yeah this isn't i can't deal with this i'm out but no i get it music was like what is this this is the coolest thing ever you know, and, it, and it and it brought you uh so much joy and so many new friends and so many new you know new things and oh just, absolutely
0: some of the closest ex- friends in my life are because of music
1: and experiences i i i, I would never met you if it wasn't for music I tell people and I'm trying to, you know, as my boys get older, I explain to them like there's 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 two ways to view the world and experiences the way a normal person sees things. Right. And what a musician gets to experience and see. It's now two just, completely different animals. And there's a lot of truth in that. Now, there's a lot of it. I wish I would have never seen or experienced. But, you know, yeah. it's you get to see amazing places and meet amazing people and that magic on stage when it's there and the magic's happening it's like that's no matter you work all day and you know we're we have three gigs this weekend you know gig number two last night and it's you play the gig and you work all day and you go set yourself up and you're ready to play again and as you're playing you get to have that magic of you know Tony's Tony Clark he's grooving he's smiling and you look and Joe Stevens is grooving it and Jessica's up there killing it and the band's playing these songs everything's tight and everything's rolling you're like yeah this is awesome that's where it's at this is super cool and then you get with all that work and then you get done and everybody's not running out the door right like you stand in the parking lot for 30 minutes because everybody's like joking and talking and laughing like and you're like this is awesome like Mm -hmm. this is this is super like music will never get old like you know i will hopefully have my boys carrying my stuff in and drum teching and Sitting everything up and yeah,
0: you got ready-made drum techs. That's pretty cool. My drum tech retired. She, you heard her on the show. She's done.
1: Oh, uh, Damn it, Erin retired. My wife retired really early on <laughs> uh, when I was playing with Tark Bus. Uh She was like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not doing this. No, nah, this is this is this is too much work. You know, I gotta I gotta pack. But she could do it, dude. She would show up and she could." tear my rig down and she knows exactly how long it takes to tear that rig down and pack it up.
0: Stacy does too. That's awesome. She
1: she could do it. You know, there's some nights in the Tark Bus days the Phoenix Hill days, she would tear that rig down and pack it up and then have to pack me up and get me in the
0: car. Well, there's that. Oh, by the way,
1: Aaron, you're hot. She is. and, 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 um, I am a very fortunate in Lucky Man because she's uh,
0: she puts up with your shit
1: she's a wonderful wife and she's an incredible mother and and, and, it, and it really t- if you're going to do what we do and be married and have a family I mean it really you know it's makes life easier with oh, her, with her support and with you know her taking care of the three boys when you're out and gone and then you know oh absolutely well you, you play mean, late yeah. you wake up and you gotta be present yep cause you know get away from me. No, you can't bury me in sand. (laughs) You can't like, you gotta be, be there and be present and, you know, and support them and and not just, you know, support them with what they're doing, baseball or, you know, she loves gardening and so many other different things. And, you know, uh, all the stuff that she does for the community and, you know, and political stuff that she supports and, and her job and her passions. You have to be up and present and support her and, everything the boys are into and it's a lot but it's it's awesome oh
0: absolutely I get, no, get to
1: sleep when I'm 70 <laughs> ish
0: yeah well I I Stacy gets on me all the time because I I sleep three to five hours a night and then I'll pick one day a month and I'll just sleep all day and she'll she's like what are you you're, what, you wonder why you're always sick I'm like no I don't wonder I know why but I have a lot of shit to do yeah. there's, there's a, I got a lot of life to live I get, one, I get one go around this damn planet.
1: I mean, I am, I got to play the child wagon tonight. And then the kids, wife and kids are out of town. My house is like creepy quiet. Like I, I can't. It's that what,
0: explains why you're over here today.
1: Oh, well, yeah. She went out of town. That's why I was like, yeah, hey, let's go ahead and take care of this. Not
0: <laughs> Speaking of balancing everything, you've been pro or semi-pro for how long now? Meaning gigging all the time, constantly. Oh, How gosh. long do you think? Twenty years? Fifteen years?
1: At l- least twenty. You know, because I spent a lot of years doing the original band thing, and and do we consider that? Absolutely, I did. Uh, I did well, it then for if the you're, first. If you're, if, you're, if you're considering eighteen years you considering played. that, then thirty years.
0: <laughs> no, it's hey man, I get it. I've I've been. I've I, said it I, a million I, times. I've played drums for about thirty years, but I've been playing out
1: in public for probably 20. I have a funny story about that. So, um, three, four years ago, I don't know how many years ago, but when I had a, a lineup of, of Wax Factory, uh, one of the cover band that I play. For those of you who don't know, it's waxfactoryband.com or you go online at Facebook as well and you can go to Wax Factory Band. Same with Twitter. I think it's the same with YouTube. Well, since Jess did it first,
0: Jess, now Ryan owes
1: you royalties. Carry on. So, uh... I was at a point with the band where I was like, you know, I just I just can't do this. I can't I can't organize everybody and lead this band and book things and you know just I I wasn't in a place for it, whatnot. I remember telling the wife, like, you know what, I'm, th- I'm just done with it. I'm done. And I texted the band, Hey guys, we're done. Right. Done. We're over. Something pops up, I'll call you, but I'm actively not pursuing anything with this. And then I tell the wife that, and we make some plans, like, oh, we could do this, we have time blah, 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 and it, went, it was a week later, I was like, oh, yeah, put, put a bunch of dates in the calendar, and blah, 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 she was like, wait, 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 I don't, I thought, you, I thought you quit all that, and I was like, well, you know, this stuff popped up, and she looked at me, and she goes, you're afraid people are going to forget about you, aren't you, I said, no, of course not, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> but it's easily done if you don't keep the ball rolling. Oh, absolutely! Like you know, it's like what? you know, I could think of a million bands. Like whatever happened to these guys? What are these guys doing? And you'll see these bands that'll kind of go away, and you know, life happens, and they'll come back up. It's like Mary Mary, for example. Right. It's awesome that you know this because I remember them from back in the day. See,
0: and that's a good, a perfect band because me not being from here, I they started playing and yeah. I went, who's this new band? And everybody was looking at me like I was an idiot going, dude, that's Mary Mary. Okay, I don't know what that means. Or, or I didn't realize they had been around for a while.
1: Yeah, or, or or even Radiotronic, which Radiotronic was Big Head back in the day. They were kind of doing the same thing, so it's like Jeff from Big Head and then Gordon, who was originally in Radiotronic, the first drummer, and then uh, Kevin, you know, they were all on Big Head and then, which I loved Big Head. Like, right. To see, this, to see a band like that doing all of this pop synth stuff and nine inch nails and like wow, oh my gosh how are they doing that and Jeff's got this huge rack full of midi gear which now fits on a phone yeah Jeff's too damn smart that's right EpiPen you're too damn smart he's super smart super smart you know and surround if you want to learn how to do stuff surround yourself with smart people because I spent a lot of time just like watching him and asking him questions and just you know and learned a lot yeah, I I I learned a lot of what I'm able to do, playing with backing tracks, knowing putting those tracks together, and all that type of stuff, from him, but more so from Greg Siebert. Right. Like, wow! I spent many many nights, you know, looking over Greg's shoulder at what he was doing, and just soaking it all that knowledge up. You know.
0: Well, it's it's funny because you've been using that kind of stuff and tracks and all that shit. As long as I can remember. And I reluctantly got into it. I didn't want to do it. I avoided it. And not because of any other way, hip, or cool reason. It's because I was fucking scared of it. I just didn't want to deal with it. I like to beat on shit. I mean, I'm only on my second smartphone. That phone right there? That's my second one. That's it. I just... I don't like that shit. It just... It, it's a... It's a the, one of the greatest things ever, and we have to have it, but some of it just freaks me the fuck out, and I don't want to deal with it. Right, and that's the way I was with the traction stuff. Obviously, I'm glad that I did it, and now that I've I've gotten good at it and all yep. that kind of stuff, it's it's not as nearly as scary as I thought it was going to be. But I just didn't want to deal with it. So watching you do it and knowing that you had to learn it from somebody else because I learned a lot of it from you because you and I talked about it for yep. forever. I still don't do it as as well as you do because your shit is. You've got like you could launch a fucking space station from behind your drums
1: again playing with Greg Sieber because I, I remember Jeff Krebs, I think was the guitar player's name and and uh, what is now Velvet Saints was called Room for Emotion, but I think even before that they were as a they were a cover band called Modern Principle gotcha I, I think. It was modern principle when I joined. So I'm working at this music store and I get a call. And it's, you know, back when, hey, I need a drummer. Let's call a music store. Right. (laughs) Hey, I just happen to run a drum shop, which means I get the call for all the good gigs. Unless you're working with Max. Then, of course, Max gets all the good gigs.
0: Holy shit, I never put that together before.
1: What's that? Damn it. That's where all the good gigs went when I first moved here. You and Max were hoarding them all. Well, not you and Max. I mean, it's just... When the phone rings, like, hey, I need a drummer. I, I I remember when I first started playing with Peter Searcy, that Searcy and I would see each other out, like, do we should play together? You know, we didn't really know each other very well, we just like right. we should play music together. And he popped into Mom's on Frankfurt. Max and I were both standing there, and he walked in. He was like, was like, what's up, Peter? What's going on? I was like, I need a drummer. Anybody want to go to the uh, Florida Keys with me? Hang out for about four days and play some music. Three doors down is going to be. On the bill and cowboy mouth and whatnot, and Max get ready to oh, say something. And I'd stop and went, "No, you get all the good ones. And Let me have this." <laughs> Seriously, I mean, come on, how many more awesome gigs do you, do you need to have? I nice. Mean, and he just kind of laughed. He was like, "All right, just yeah, all right, touch it. Ryan will knock it out of the park." And that's where Peter and I started working together. Right. We started rehearsing whatnot, and it was a it was. A great gig, you know. You flew down there. I I, I remember hanging out poolside with with uh, Aaron. We weren't married at the time. but we were hanging out poolside. I got to take her with me, and we're you know drinking a beer and just hanging out and like, all right, well, uh, I'm gonna go hit the stage and went and hit the stage. I did my 45 minutes and came back I was like, all right, I'm done. Nice done until tomorrow. And then we had we played another set the next day, and that was pretty much it. And you flew in. You did the gig, and you flew out four days later. That was awesome. Nice. You know, and, and Peter's, you know, of course, you did that run with him, too.
0: I did, thanks to you. Thank you again for that. Even and though it was a million years ago, it seems like now.
1: It, that did come come through you. It does, but uh, it's awesome. Um,
0: I love playing so, with
1: Peter. I had a lot of fun with him. He's so damn good. He's really good. And, and, and I, I, you know, working with the tracks, you know, with him... He Had you know so much stuff in his music that had loops and tracks and things and keyboard Mm -hmm. parts and stuff like that, and that was good. I was able to step in and go, Okay, well, just give me the tune and I'll put these tracks in, and we'll just play all this stuff live with all these keyboard parts and tracks. And it really, you know, if you're going to produce a record and do all this stuff, make sure you can pull it off live. Oh, absolutely. And if you're going to pull that off live, you have two choices you can either hire Twelve musicians and try to pull it off, right? Or you can hire me and I can cover a bunch of it. <laughs> and, you know, and that that's that's how I always looked at it. Was like, you know, I I I can't ding ding the boom the ding ding the ding ding the ding. I'm not a jazz guy, so that takes that part of the work away. I can't work in that field,
0: right? I can't either.
1: I'm not. Don't have crazy super chops, so I can't work in that field. So it's like, but what I am good at is like I can play to a click. So I can get session work and I can play live and I can take a four piece band, make a four piece band, sound like a twelve piece band, get twelve piece band money and pay the only three of the musicians. No, I get it. So I get it. It's a perfect world. And and more and more drummers are band directors. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, is that the right word? Band directors? Music directors.
0: We call them musical directors, band musical directors. directors.
1: Whatever. So it's like more and more drummers are that because we can put all that stuff together and we, you know, we're, you know, I don't need two guitar players. I need one. I don't really need a keyboard player. I think someone put up on uh, Cover Band Central maybe or one of the Facebook things, like, you know, hey, I need a good keyboard player. But I was recommending all these keyboard players and I, I put the Apple iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't... I don't have to worry about drinking or doing drugs.
0: No, I, there, I, there is that. I mean, it is what it is, and, it's and, and
1: it, it, the technology has gotten so much better because I, I, remember, I, I would take a Pro Tools rig, and you know, find a MIDI file that might be correct, and I don't play keyboards or anything, so I'd have to find this. You could ask me what key it's in, I wouldn't even know. Right, and I'd find this MIDI file and have to kind of, I would put the original track in a line. Sync up the MIDI file, put a click to it, get the sounds right in Pro Tools. It would take me, you know, about a week to do a song. Right. And now you there's a website you go pay two three bucks for.
0: Yep. Which we will not give away the
1: website. <laughs> but you know, I I I I I've encouraged people ask me all the time. You know, uh, hey, how do you do this? Or I've know,
0: asked you. What, You're the one that helped me What do you need to do, you do
1: to do this? And, and I, I've literally written manuals for people. Did you do the L word again? I did. I have written manuals do for it, people. Do it, do it. Literally. Written manuals. I'm no, When, sorry. when, when, no, sorry. when uh, Flaw was ramping back up when they were heading back on, on tour but a year or so ago, they're like hitting me up going, Hey, how, how do we do how do we pull this off live where we're gonna produce this record do all these backing tracks. Right. And I sit there and wrote a manual. <laughs> nice. And just like so, because I'm passionate about it. I love it. If I can share this knowledge with you, then you could take it to another level and you throw it back down to me. Right. If someone else could take that knowledge and share it like, you know, I I would love to get, you know, I, I think Bill Miles is an audio addiction and I think they're doing some of that stuff now. Oh, are they? So for me, it's like, man, there's more of us doing this stuff and we can share ideas and files and how are you doing this? Oh, what, you know, What? how are you running your tracks to do this? There's a better way to do all this type of stuff because I've done it with big racks of ADATs down to, you know, the mini disc recorders down right. to like the little micro four track recorders you know, now you're running everything through your iphone right yeah or through you a know, pad well iPad. to an ipad well i went from an ipad down to a phone but you know but before it's before that i was using a pro tools rig live right had a laptop with a full pro tools rig and running all the tracks that way it crashed on me and then i remember someone saying well you got an ipad yeah why in the world would you be taking a pro tools rig out when you got an ipad so this expensive rig, <laughs> now I can take my iPad, buy a twenty dollar app, and pull everything off right. that way, and then that's turned into, and let me, you know, all the way down to the phone. But I mean, what's 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 good? What's, and you know what's interesting? Like you go to Cover Band Central for those folks out there in the world that are in the cover band world, or even the working musician world. Yep, that are not aware of this uh, uh, Facebook group. It's Cover Band Central. Mm-hmm. Um, join it. You're the one that told me about it. If not for anything, uh, just to listen to how uh, uh, Tony Clark rips people on there. One of the greatest things in my life. <laughs> that is, is pretty funny. <laughs> adding Tony Tony Clark is a great guitar player, and a great human being, and we love you. But And I tell him all the time, I was like, adding you to Cover Band Central was one of the greatest things I've ever done in my life because he just tells you straight exactly... Hey, stupid! Stop doing this. <laughs> Pretty much, and it's the greatest thing ever, <laughs> man. Just I saw.
0: All... I, I was reading some. He was having a beef <laughs> with somebody, and this guy kept trying to come back, and every time he would come back, Tony would shut him down.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, because you know, Tony's oh, wham! got a wealth of knowledge, and Tony's and like it, us.
0: He's been doing it for a long
1: time. Yeah, it. and it's, and, uh, and he's smart, And incredibly lucky. He's he was one of those guys. I have a list of musicians that I've always wanted to play with, mm-hmm. and he's on that list and I'm very fortunate to get to play with him uh, but yeah but going back to the Coverman Central thing is like you, when you start feeling discouraged about your band am I doing things the right way are we are we making enough money are is this the route we should be going are these the right songs get on Coverman Central and read some threads
0: yes it will make you feel then, better about then, your
1: life and then call everybody in your band and go thank you yes thank you guys thank you for, for wow wow Oh, my goodness gracious, some of these people on there. It's just like, you know, not, not knocking it, but it's like, man, wow, know your value. Oh, absolutely. Well, You know, it ain't, stop doing this for fun. Yeah. Like, you know, some of us are trying to eat here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can't, you told me a line one time, you said, I can't put exposure in the bank.
1: I can't deposit exposure. I can't, I can't feed my kids exposure. Nope. Now, now, don't get me wrong, if it's, if it's a benefit gig... That's going to help someone out, things of that nature. That you. Oh, that's completely different. Give, I don't even give back and give give karma and whatnot. But when you have these corporations or these venues that just like you know show up for the exposure, I'm like well, you guys are getting paid, right? Aren't you going to sell drinks and make some money? Isn't your company going to be represented and you're going to get some financial benefit from this? Pay me for my time. No,
0: absolutely, I agree.
1: My kids are sitting at home. They're hungry. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Well, speaking of cover band central, let's move on to
0: social media issues.
1: You know, uh, social media issues... I I didn't even get to introduce it. You're all excited about this one. Not necessarily. No? No. I, 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 I think I agree with everyone after listening to everyone's...
0: I'm telling you, I think I said it on Chuck Deering's episode, and I'm not sure when this is going to post, but eventually I'm going to probably have to stop doing social media issues because we all pretty much fucking think the same thing. I think everybody
1: agrees with it. I probably associate with Todd more. Because O'Mara. Yeah. It's funny because I always spell his name wrong. He corrects me all the time with it. That.
0: So, uh, That's all right. Let's just throw him under the bus because, as I say every episode, it's just fun for me.
1: Right. So I'm like... Todd you know because I was very political Mm. about a lot of things not that I'm political I just think that you know some of you are incredibly wrong (laughs) (laughs) Um, you don't really have enough common sense to see what's what you're being sold so um having said that some of you are in that's a quote of the fucking (laughs) week That's it. I'm done you got a show's
0: over I mean you know some of you are incredibly wrong
1: everybody's entitled to their opinion I'm especially entitled to mine so, because um, yours just happens to be right, just ask you, you'll tell us. Yeah, you know, there's a reason they call them history books. But um, <laughs> damn,
0: that's it. This is already going political. <laughs> no, shut it no, down. No. So,
1: so, so, like Todd, like, and my wife would always tell me, she was like, "Hey, you're not going to convince anybody. You're you're arguing with them, or you're, you know." And 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 I would see like some kind of crazy meme that would go up, it would be like a political issue that would just do nothing except spread hate and fear right and who knows who's gonna see that and be so fearful and so hateful or what i like to call wrong and (laughs) hurt someone so you spend time like correcting those things and posting facts and whatnot right hey just take the time to read and you'll understand where this is not right and that wasn't going anywhere. So for me, what I ended up doing was anything that came up, and not that I'm open-minded to hear someone else's opinion on things, especially if they can back it up with facts and history. But if someone is posting You're the most
0: things, subtle burner I think I've ever known. Because <laughs> right. they're just like little... They're not even <laughs> daggers. They're like little needles. Just... Phink, phink. What the fuck was that? Oh, that was a Ryan Murphy jab. Okay, got it. Got it.
1: But once I started using the unfollow button <coughs> on things, because it's interesting because when you look at all your friends on Facebook, do you really you might know all these people you might have met them, you might know them, and some some are 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 you know clients some for what we do right or, or some you may know in a certain business way, whatnot, but some of these people you don't talk to Mm-mm. you just don't know
0: and Totally going to interrupt you. This is a true story. This happened to me last night before I came to see you play. I was somewhere else. This person started talking to me about some random shit. Whatever they were talking about is irrelevant. And they looked at me and said, well, of course I know you. We're friends on Facebook. And I turned around and I went, we are? Now, because of what we do, I have a lot of, quote, friends that aren't really my friends. They follow me be for either the band or the podcast or what the hell ever but it's exactly what you're talking about. I had no idea who this person was. Like I had to introduce myself to them.
1: It was weird. Yeah, and and in the same way, like I'll be at the grocery store, walking through line, and you're like got my headphones on and you'll see someone you're like, "Oh, we're Facebook friends." I don't really don't feel like talking to that person right now, and I'm sure they're busy and they don't feel like talking to me. Right. We're going to strike up just a conversation about some kind of nonsense of something. Or you do what you normally do when you're at Kroger and you call me. Right. Or... Yeah, or <laughs> my wife will crack up at that, by the way. Uh, so, you know, it, it makes you start unfollowing. Like, I wonder, like I'm like i just going to unfollow all this stuff. Right. And when I started to unfollow everything, then, you know, oh my gosh, it's right, so-and-so did have a baby. Oh, this is so cool. blah blah, blah. I need to text him congratulations. I, I, I don't post congratulations or happy birthday or anything like that on Facebook anymore. Right. Because I always feel like if five of my Facebook friends have birthdays and let's say that you're one of them and I go, dude, happy birthday. And those other five people are friends with both of us. So you told Stephen happy birthday because you couldn't take your time <laughs> Oh yeah, to go, happy absolutely. Birthday to me. So so it's like, so if I see that it's your birthday and I know you, I'll call you or I'll send a text. Right. You know, because I mean, texting is, is, is impersonal too, but you know, At least it's a little bit better. If I know you, I will reach out. Right. You know, but but you know, I don't do it on Facebook anymore or anything like that. But I started to weed things out, hit which I'm sure, don't get me wrong, I know a ton of people. I'm opinionated on my political beliefs. And I know I've been unfollowed a lot. <laughs> I have not
0: unfollowed you or Todd, but I can tell you there's about six or seven people that I scroll extra fast if I'm ever, when I am scrolling. I but, shouldn't say if I'm scrolling. And you are one of them, because sometimes I'm like, eh, yep,
1: see you, Ryan. Well, and going to the issue, um, talking to Phil Bright, mm-hmm. and Phil and I were having a conversation, make it even funnier. I'm in Kroger as I'm talking to Phil Bright. <laughs> Yeah, that's like my Zen time, where I get stuff done and make phone calls oh, yeah so, and, and he's t- I don't so know what Kroger
0: he- is like your third office.
1: I don't know what he called, I've booked more gigs in when Kroger, But I've been in Kroger i the the the, the biggest highest dollar gig i have ever booked I was in Kroger, and I got just got a text I was like, oh sweet, yeah, but I've gotten it's that weird time I'll get a call or text and like I book more stuff here anyway, I'm talking to Phil, and Phil called it um armchair politics or something like that and it made me realize like oh well I'm that person okay i got i need to stop this i'm going to stop posting my views on things and what's funny was talking about Todd was I stopped and Todd was still continuing the battle so i was like living through <laughs> you're living vicariously through Todd yeah on on social media because he was still throwing the punches and putting them out there and going, you know, blah blah blah. You know, and then he kind of stopped. And then a lot of there's a lot of people that I know that kind of stopped. So we all just kind of stopped in right. a way. But here's here's what's interesting. The the stuff that would pop up that I viewed as hate and propaganda. Right. Kind of stopped too. It was interesting. The more that I stopped posting, and the people that I knew, like Todd, other people, stopped posting. I started seeing less of the other side. Yep, very strange. So now it's like when I scroll through my Facebook, it's all like you know, cats, and you know, my, my kid graduated, or um, something cool about a family member. Or, hey, I got a new job, or things of that nature. I, I, I don't. There's not a ton of people on my Facebook feed that I see a lot of negativity about. Right. I certainly wouldn't post anything personal like, you know, I just broke up or split up. I mean, I get that people are reaching out to a community right, for support. And I, I, I get that, and I'm compassionate. And when I read that, I'm compassionate to what you're, you're feeling or what your needs are. I am, and my heart's with you. I, I, it wouldn't be the form that I would post that. No. But having said that, the people that... Most of us that you've said that about, they have the same opinion. Right. But look at our age. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the age that we are, if you ask a 15-year-old kid that same thing, they might... Oh, that's perfectly understandable. Put all your...
0: Put everything on
1: goings there. on out there on that. And it's, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, like, what will my kids be posting? Of course, I'll be watching every single thing that you post. Everything. Remember... Your daddy's a really smart dude, super smart. I'm gonna be tapping your phones. I'm gonna be, t- you can't, you, nothing till you're 30, 35.
0: And God forbid you talk to daddy while he's in Kroger. Go bust that ass.
1: The Murphy boys are gonna be hitting the street hustling. <laughs>
0: said it's actually funny you said that i was getting ready to say that i'm not worried about them posting anything i'm worried about how much money those little shits are gonna make
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna make well i'm gonna have an army of three of them out there exactly it's gonna be killer you're gonna
0: have this little you can
1: have the. We we can li- literally there's there one we can literally call them the murphy clan they're gonna take over everything oh, it's, gonna be, it's gonna be amazing
0: damn you're gonna have to adopt me so i can be part of that i don't have any minions that are gonna work for me
1: my, my, my five-year-old, Aaron and I were talking about this morning, he's, uh, he's, he's changed the name of his band. Um, it was going to be uh, the Dino Diggs, I think it was, and then he's changed it to Rockin' to the Core. Nice. Rockin' to the Core, and he made Aaron audition for vocals the other day. <laughs> made his own mother audition. Yep. He's, what did he say? I could only play drums on Tuesdays. Uh, I couldn't sing because I can't sing and that he was going to give me vocal lessons so he's got big plans he's got the band members picked out he's got huge plans and at night and he's got rules and parameters for everybody he does and at night I was you know I read him a story and I'll kind of hang out with him for a few and he's talking and he, he soaks it up hey tell me what it's like to lead a band in those words huh and he said and he said this and a quote and I love it he said you know dad I'm going to be the drummer of my band, which means I'm going to be the leader of the band.
0: I remember you telling me that.
1: And I'm like, whoa, this dude's, you know, this, It's a, a couple of things are interesting. One, he's really soaking up my influence. Of course, I'm his dad, but he's soaking that up. But if that's a path that he wants to lead and, and live that life as a musician or as an artist, I, I, I pray my children are artists. Right. You know, I, I want them to be sensitive and compassionate, stand up for people and be artists and be creative and not be douchebags, you know, what I'm saying? be, you know. No, I get it. Treat people well and, and be artists and be out there and, and hustle and it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. Well,
0: and, and hustle the right way.
1: No, I mean, you know, it's going to be, they'll, they'll get out there and like, hey dad, we're going to take the lawnmower out. We're going to like, uh, you know, I could see, I could see, I could see Bottom, especially like uh, Lincoln. You grab that lawnmower, uh, Bottom. Going, I'm going to get the rest of the neighborhood kids. I'm going to go sell this thing. Have all the neighborhood kids mow. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny. Very They're funny. actually really great kids. I mean, it's it's.
0: Well, I came over. Uh, I don't even remember what I came over for. I came over to your house for something. It was around Christmas time, and uh, I walked in, and Bottom looks at me and he goes, "Who are you? I don't think we've met." Or something to that effect. Now, I, I remember looking at you, going, How the "Fuck, did you get such a smart kid!" Oh yeah, they're, they're it's all, awesome. They're all. And then nice. I figured it out. It's actually
1: Aaron. It's not you. It, it, it is Aaron. Well, you know, <laughs> it, no, it, it is a lot of Aaron because I mean, I'm, I'm I work a lot, you know, and that was our plan. We wanted, you know, a parent there at all times. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we've been very fortunate because it used to be like that back in the day, right? You know, I mean. We wanted to make sure that there was someone there at all times, and she is awesome with working with them on everything. It's just not you don't just send your kid to school and go, okay, let's lessons over. Yeah, I'm done. See we you later. Continue to work with them because we're we're developing human beings, and these we're developing men. You know, they need to respect women, and they need to respect life, and respect people, and just do good I don't care what they do I don't care if they're you know unemployed for their entire life living in my basement you know if they're working in at a, in a homeless shelter 24-7 because right. that's what my passion is Dad. I ain't got time to work I'm here to help people right alright well cool could you clean the toilet bring me <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: alright so before we move on what else you got for social media issues that was pretty good I'm going to need you to clean the toilet and bring me beer
1: I mean, I mean, go on, it's just social media issues. It, it, it's just... Um, pretty much the same as everybody else. Pretty much the same as everybody else. I mean, this might know, be the last episode of social media issues. Don't, don't, don't...
0: One of my favorite things I've said, and yes, I'm being arrogant. Let, let me, see, let me Pipe down on the fucking negativity.
1: Right, that too. But you know what? And also thing, another thing that's weird is like, uh, when I talk to old friends, <laughs> I don't have the opportunity... We don't have the opportunity to catch up. True. There, there's not that, dude. What are you doing now? What? That's so awesome! Oh my gosh, let me see a picture of your kid. Oh my gosh, it's so cool, man. I'm so proud. Of you. That's so good. There's none of that. You don't get to run into an old friend and catch up. It's, you get to run into an old friend and go, "Hey, you still doing blah blah blah? Yeah. yeah, man, your boys are getting big. You know, which is, I mean, I guess that's cool in a way, but it's like, it's very straight. It's a very. If you stop and think about it, it's a very strange. <coughs> Well, World. I think it's
0: I think it's strange for for people our age because, and I've joked about it and I've said it before. I mean, we're we're the fucking old dudes, but we grew we did legitimately grow up. You thought I was gonna do the hell for it, didn't you? We legitimately grew up with you had to pick up somebody and call them on an actual real phone. You had to send somebody a letter. You had to go to somebody's house. You had to meet. You had to make plans and meet. You didn't, there wasn't no fucking shooting a text. There wasn't no, hey, let me send this guy an email real quick and see where he's going to be. No. You had to call people and actually make an effort to have friends. Now you don't have to do that. You just wake up and you have tons of friends. And Stacy and I talk about this all the time. If you looked at your Facebook friends or whatever social media friends you have, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, whatever, but the majority of Facebook is where the the, the biggest interactions happen. If you look at your friends on one hand, how many of those people are you really gonna invite to your house for dinner? And she said that to me one day and I went, Holy shit, that's kinda cool. Now granted, I've said it publicly before, I've said it on the show before. If I wasn't in a band and I didn't have this podcast now that I don't have this, if I didn't have this podcast, I wouldn't have a Facebook.
1: Yeah, but 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 uh, not to throw a Gary Vee but for that marketing purpose, I love me some Gary. For that, Mark, I just posted a really great Gary V. I shared his video this morning, really great when it was about Instagram. Anyway, from where I'm at with marketing purposes, I mean, Facebook's old hat. I mean, oh, for sure. So it's like I've thought about dwindling it down to, you know, just that select few mm-hmm. that I really have relationships with, you know, and. Because those would be, I mean, how many times you, you, because you're limited on the people that you can invite. And I go through my list of people. Which
0: has just happened. That was weird.
1: Right. I go through the people where I can invite gigs and I go, hmm, yeah, they just had a baby. Um, I don't think they live here anymore. That that dude's dead. Uh, You know, and it's weird for me too, because there's, there's, if I was to open up my friends list and like do an invite thing and look at it, a huge amount of those people don't even live here anymore. Right. Huge amount. Another huge amount are dead. Yep. You know, drug overdose, which is sad. Drug overdoses, alcohol. I mean, it's a huge amount where you're, or you know, they're dead. So it's like, wow. And then you start going through these other people, going, How do I even know this person? Right. But not, but your their their potential to come out to gigs. So I've actually thought about starting another just keep that one open for gig stuff and start a completely separate one to you know post pictures of my boys and life and whatnot and the people that I really want to keep up with. Right. Um, no, I get that. That makes complete sense. Yeah, because it, it's it's it becomes an interesting game of just like a bunch of people and I mean if you're but then again, it's like if you're keeping it open for marketing purposes, it's an old hat. It's like that's ten years ago marketing purposes. Right. Like now, it's all Instagram and Twitter. Like Instagram bigger than anybody else. Yep. You know, if you're gonna market, market everything on Instagram.
0: Which I've said it before. I hate Twitter. Twitter is just, and the only reason I hate Twitter is because you have to put so much time into it to get any return out of it. I don't have that kind of time, because a lot of those people, and it's, I'm not making this up. It's, it's been said and reported. A lot of those people that are so active on Twitter that have all this shit, they have two or three people that work their Twitter page. I don't have people. I have me. That's it. Now you, you have some minions coming up so you can get some people to work your Twitter shit. I'm just saying.
1: Oh, that's going to be awesome and they're going to be smart at it and of course, you know, that'll be part of their chores. <laughs> I mean, it will be. Check Daddy's Twitter feed. Yeah, I mean, here you go, man. Start, your, start this account and start marketing this this type of stuff and get into marketing. You know, it, it that's, that's part of the hustle. I mean, you know, I've, Getting people, not getting people out to gigs, making them aware. I think gigs. it's more making them aware than
0: anything, because you can't make anybody do anything they want. They don't want to do.
1: No, but if if they're aware towards like, hey, I'm heading out to dinner, and I'm sitting there at dinner with friends, like, hey, you guys want to go grab a drink? Hey, you know my friends playing down the street. Yep. You know, let's let's pop in there and, and see see what's going on and whatnot. I mean, that's that's the best you can hope for. Um, Gig-wise, but you're making people aware of the 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 brand that you're selling, you know, by getting out there and marketing. I mean, so that's the bonus of social media. Oh, absolutely. You know, the the for me, I guess if you know the biggest downside is the negativity of the disagreement between people. If you've seen any of of the stuff that I post up, you'll notice that I'll post it and I'll delete it. A lot of political stuff that I always post, I'd post it up, it would hang out because it would get. No, that's true. It would get. I had
0: to think about it for a second.
1: Hundreds of comments, and I would find my friends, some that don't know each other, just verbally. No, well, you know, po- they're just. They're no, te- I get it. They're tearing each other apart. Yep. And it's like, hey, that dude's a good person, and that dude's a good person. This is. I'm watching this being torn apart from something that I posted up, so I'm generating this negativity whatnot and my wife always said too she's like you gotta stop that because this person who's angry about that could show up to your gig and eliminate you for lack of a better word there is that and that's a reality that it is what it <laughs> is pizza gate <laughs> but that's a reality i don't even those know. Of those of you don't know uh, what that meant some of you'll get that todd will totally get that todd will love that but no, I mean that—that's you got it. You got it. So I have to be aware of the negativity that I'm generating, right? And the people that are responding to that neg- negativity, um, whatnot. Uh, but back when it first came out, when Facebook first came out, when we were going through the uh, healthcare reform,
0: mm-hmm.
1: back when Obama was in office, Quentin James figured it figured Quentin James and I think Alan Chadwell, but Alan Chadwell, they all figured it out that. I was off on Thursdays, and there were certain hours when Bonham was a baby, so Bonham was a, on me asleep. So for the fun of it, I didn't have the TV on asleep, and sleeping, so I would make some kind of political comment <laughs> and just watch everything go down. <laughs> Until they were like, you guys know what he's doing, don't you? He's laying there with the baby with nothing to do, so he'll make these posts, and if that's his entertainment, is watching all of you all comment You have
0: issues, brother. Yeah. You have some issues you need to deal with. I got bigger ones. So. <laughs> anyway. So let's move on to stories from the stage. Yeah! All right, so what do you got for me? Give me something good because Jessica had said that she wanted to hear some of your good stories. And I said, I bet you he's got tons of them.
1: Oh, my gosh. But I
0: don't know how many you're going to tell.
1: Ooh. I have to tell a bunch. I, I, no, you I, can tell whatever you want. I've done just about everything from the stage, unfortunately. Um, or fortunately. You, well, it depends, depends on your outlook. It d- depends on your outlook on it, or what and it been. depends on the ones that you, <laughs> we make public or not. You know, it, I have it, a
0: few that I have never made public that I probably won't.
1: There's some classic ones, and there's some awful ones, and there's some funny ones, and, and um, I love this one. I'm gonna, I'll, I'll go way back on this one, right? one of my uh, first gigs I'm playing with a band called Hyde um, 80s I had like big old curly hair like and used a because my hair was curly I had to use like a lot of spray to keep it real tight I've seen the pictures right uh, you should post that like as I'm telling the story so uh, <coughs> and I'm playing Scott. we we had opened somehow we were playing the toy tiger and we'd open up for fire department so I'm playing Perry's kit which is Simmons pads on the toms. All oh, right. A snare, two kick drums. So you know me, my I want my hi hat like almost over top of my snare. So he's got two kick drums. So back then, with two kick drums, means you couldn't do that. I gotta extend my arm like I'm scratching my back to be able to play that hi hat. Yeah, you do kind of like your hi hat up in your armpit. Right. So as I'm playing, and then you know, this it's fire department. Fire department was huge back then. We're playing the tiger, we're We're sitting there playing and I have no doubts I was playing everything too frantic and way too fast and I'm sitting there playing right and I'm grooving and I go to do some kind of lick and I clip that electronic tom that stick goes flying way out of my hand right just like it's just gone and I'm in full panic mode I mean now it's just like yeah whatever right yeah. let me, let me um, oh I just dropped a stick yeah I better grab a sandwich and take a bite of that <laughs> you know because I mean you're you're so used to the routine it's the yeah stick flies out it's just like hey that just happens you know you, you keep going up. so I'm like I'm in full panic mode I'm like and I'm just kind of like looking down I'm like I'm trying not to react to it whatnot and because and so I'm I,
0: assuming you didn't have any other sticks with you
1: on my right I did okay right? so as I as I like spin to my right to grab another, another stick bag I feel this thing whoosh over it had caught my hair <laughs> and it yes! had, had like boom and it caught there and so like I'm completely unaware that it, that it's there and I go in and I see it comes around like this and then I like grab it and then I'm like I gotta I gotta pull it out and keep the groove going at the same time I can pull this thing out and I used the word groove lightly at that time in my drum career <laughs> and I pull it out and it happens and then you're in panic and then you kind of like you look around, like, and I go to the to my right, and I'm panning to the left. That, th- these particular group of guys that I played with, you know, like, to this day, we we have this brotherhood that's amazing. And I'm looking to the right, and I'm panning across, and no one's paying attention to anything. And then I get to my left, and there's Jeff Jones standing there, just like like dying, like, laughing his ass off. That's the funniest thing I've ever seen. In my entire life. So, so yeah.
0: your stick got stuck in your hairspray. Basically, yeah. That—that's. Excuse me. Your stick got stuck in your hairspray that was holding your extra curly hair.
1: Extra. Yeah, yeah. Just it was incredible. That is fantastic. Yeah, That's that, beyond fantastic. There, there's, I, I have many things like that. I mean, I, I you'd like to go back and count the amount of shows that you do and just be like, oh my gosh, oh, I can't. how can you remember all of this crazy stuff and all the crazy people and all the. I'll give you a very
0: short one. Since we're talking about your hair, everybody knows I have none now. I, I used to. It was never super, super pretty, but it was close. I would do that, by the way, if my
1: wife would let me. I'd be like, I just want to see my head. I could be done with it. I can think about how much more free time I would have. You don't. And, it's a it's lie. I think she said, um, I'm afraid to see what your head would look like. Well, I had a mohawk for years. <laughs> it's not going to look much different. That's She's true. Like, yeah, no. That's no. true. That's no. true. I don't want you to. What? What's wrong with being bald? She doesn't want to see this bulbous. Just <laughs> use
0: the word bulbous? Yeah. That's fantastic. Anyway, back in the day, I used to set my floor toms on fire. Mm. And I would hit them and they would shoot fireballs to the ceiling. And back before Great White burned that club down in Rhode Island. Mm. Not picking on them, that's just what happened. Once they did that, everybody said, no more pyro and bars. Uh... But when I was learning how to do said fireballs, it was very, very difficult. A lot of testing involved. In the first live show I did, I caught my hair on fire. Nice. Almost all of it. Nice. Burnt the left side of my head. And that shit went up quick, too. So, there you go. I get it.
1: We. Um, I understand hair stories. <laughs> I used to play in a band called Psycho. So, uh, with Frank Campbell. Which We were just talking about Phil and Frank.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Alan Chadwell was on bass. Uh, Scott Holson on guitar. Steve McRoberts was on vocals. Uh, and, and again, another brotherhood. Like Those are the guys I do my camping trip with every year. Like We have right. a yearly camping trip where we eat steaks and we shoot guns. And-
0: oh yeah, y'all keep that going because the last time Ryan went camping, I got a gig out of
1: it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Excuse oh. me. I got two
1: gigs out of it cuz I filled in for you. Jeff Williams got one too Jeff Williams filled in for me one time uh, when they did the rage against the machine thing he Oh yeah, that, yeah, yeah. So it's like for some reason well that's like let's not jinx it just keep talk just keep going on like, that trip. <laughs> yeah, when well, I don't set the date on it like the sits the singer's property so when he sets the date it's just like okay, everything else got gotcha. you. Just honey I'm leaving. Go, you know, like anyway, See you later, I'm out of here. Uh so anyway, so we had shot a video for a song. Louisville had a thing; it was the most awesome shit ever. It was called the Rodie Awards. Never heard of that one. I think they did it. They did it two years in a row. I think. And, oh my god, dude! It was one of the. I, I've always, if anything that this town did the job, I've ever wanted to bring back. It was that. So what they did was this: you had, uh, you know, when we had, it was give you an idea what what year it was. We had video stores. Red Giraffe, we have no blockbuster yet that type of thing. So yeah, one of the, the mom and pop video stores, right? So one of the video stores hooked up with the radio station, and they had like a video music awards. They called it the Rodeo Awards, right? Uh, Sam Kinnison hosted, not Sam Kinnison, Bobcat. Bobcat go with oh Bobcat go with. Bob, he hosted the first one. I think it was LRS at the time. Um, anyway, it was super cool. So everybody shot videos. We were shooting videos, and you could go to Video Bread, and they were Editing them and put them all together, and it was it was super cool. Then you submit it, and there was a local music magazine that would announce the winners and whatnot. We nice. all like pfft, did up with the um, was Coyotes open when you were here? Yes, Heaven Hill played Coyotes. We it, opened it's, for it's down the Bourbon Hall, right? Yes, so we for Coyotes like hosted it. We were everybody's there, and like you know, you throw on a tie and you go out and you're hanging out. It's the coolest thing ever. And hey, we got nominated. Let's see if we win. It was really super cool. It was a ton of fun but going to flames so our bass player Alan Chadwell would like his near the last song he would put his bass back like this and his uh, tech would like spray uh, letter fluid all over his bass and then light it and be, he would pull a Mickey down, Six down, down he'd spin his bass around like this and we had four uh, big eight foot flames that would shoot up and he would like down black bang. and he would hit his bass on the ground and it would shoot these flames up we would be done right so this particular bass that he had, they called the Mutt, um, it was like this awesome 70s Fender body, and these MGs, and a modulus neck, and you know, and Alan knew how to set up instruments. He knew how to hit this thing, you know, strap button down, you're right. not really doing any damage. It's more for, like, wrestling. Off the ropes. You're yep. not really doing any kind of damage. Yep. So... You know, Dave's got this giant camera, and we're filming this stuff. So, at the end of this video that we're shooting, we had we shot in, the, in our rehearsal room. So, at the end of this video that we're shooting, we have like this little, basically black painted ramp kind of box thing. Right. He needed something to hit. It was made of wood. Right. Lights his base on fire. He's swinging it around in the parking lot. And he's hitting this thing. Boom. So he hits the ramp thing the right way. The board breaks. The base sticks in there. It's still burning. But it's just burning lighter fluid. Right. Burning that off. So we're laughing. We're high fiving. We just let it, you know, waiting for the flames to finish up. So Dave goes, Look, it's still on fire. He grabs it, thinking that why would you catch an expensive, you know, base okay. on fire? Right. <laughs> it's still on fire. He grabs it and full slam around the concrete. Boom! Oh, oh, it was awesome. I mean, oh. I could be like slow motion. He like went up like this, and I was like, No! Oh. And just, she's like, Yes, yeah, awesome. How come everybody's done a high five of me? <laughs> I was like, oh my god, you just destroyed my face. Oh,
0: that's fucking brutal. It's awesome. Yeah. were there any ass whippings after that
1: no I mean it was understandable that what happened was that he just he just thought it was a cheap bass and he just thought kept the thing going I mean, it, you know that was an interesting time that band Dave Luckett Dave didn't have a job but he had a video camera so he recorded everything everything that took place on the road every little thing he recorded we all have a copy of it we all keep it sealed away in a box Nice, <laughs> no one can see. So when am I coming over? It's it's a lot of fun. It really was a lot of fun. It was and we we played a lot. It was a, it was a really good band. Look to your right. Sorry, your left.
0: Down on the shelf, bookshelf, bottom bookshelf.
1: What am I looking at? Oh yeah, bunches. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh.
0: That's fun stuff. That's
1: my stash of videos. It's, well, you know, and it's, you know, again, playing music is great because you create a brotherhood in different bands. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, I've, I've, got, I've got plenty of, of quote brothers that, that uh, I would never have if it wasn't for music.
1: Yeah, those are the dudes that get that late night call. And you got to man, you got a lime and a shovel, some rope, duct tape. Truck. I just so happen to have that. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm calling someone else. Click. <laughs>
0: Pretty much. So let's move on to what are you listening to. Alright, so in the description of the show, I always say what am I listening to? But that's actually technically improper because I usually ask other people what they're listening to. So what are you listening
1: to? What are you jamming on? Man, I I my flavors very big time, and I've never been a occasionally I go through this not really a prog thing, but more of an instrumental thing. But, you know, I'll, I'll catch a... Like, I I get this thing where I'll catch a drummer on YouTube and I'll start watching it and just be like, oh my God, I forgot how good this guy was. And I had this dude in the... We had him twice on a clinic up at Moms. But Marco Monum has got this new record out that is just... And this dude is insane. His groove is insane. His That dude blows me away every single time that i put ever you to this. What's that?
0: Phil put you up to this? He
1: did. Oh, I got us, Phil. <laughs> Actually, no. I, Phil told me how much you hate Marco Miniman. I was like, and I'm as I'm selling this thing, you could tell that I'm not making eye contact with you. Oh yeah. And I could feel you looking at me, going, hey, Brian's so full of shit. I was
0: so sitting here. Like, He's full of fucking shit. He he doesn't like Miniman either.
1: You know, music was hold up. Time out.
0: Mm-hmm. Fuck You're, you, Phil. <laughs>
1: Carry on. I think it was my idea, actually. I think Phil was telling me. Uh, you know, I I, I I don't stray too far towards new stuff. Right. I should, unless it's stuff that I'm learning. I mean, you know, thanks to Carl Stuck and his commitment to, you know, the new music weeks. The I 10 album see, challenge and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, I get to yeah. see that. And of course, with his Spotify playlist, I'm like, oh, you know, I'll check see what this artist is all about, you know, but. Most of the stuff for me is like I have stuff that I enjoy and I'll I'll get on these kicks and go back and, you know, listen to that. I mean, I I've listened to so much Seven Dust, it's insane. But there's a band that I love. But
0: there's a new Seven Dust coming out. Oh yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Anyway, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, I listened to that single and I made a post about it. Like I haven't been that excited about a record coming out in a long time. And I I love that band. Oh, I do too. Um there's a band called Royal Jelly. Um, which came out in the 90s. And Johnny Edwards, Johnny's from here. Johnny sang for Foreigner when Lou Graham left. He sings for Blue Funk, which the band would. Ah, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, Okay, yep, yep, yep. That, that record
1: is just insane good. And it, it came out and it went straight in the toilet. Um, just, it was the time. When you listen to that record and you listen to what year it came out, and you're like, if this record would have came out 10 years after it did. Would have been a huge hit. Right. Nice. Huge hit. It, it, the times weren't right for this record. But you had Johnny Edwards and then the guitar player that was in Kingdom Come with the big curly hair. I'm not sure who the bass player was, but the, it was the drummer that played in Crocus. Damn. Yeah. So it was they put this band together and wrote these songs, and it's so good. And it, it was, you couldn't find it. Like, I would always do a search on YouTube or right. Napster when, like, you know, when all that came out and then. They finally released it on iTunes, which I was blown away, so I've been I've been listening to that constantly. But yeah, I don't I don't stray too f- to new stuff um, a lot. Most of the stuff that gets played around the house is um, stuff that my kids play. Right, they love Imagine Dragons, love. I, you know, it's funny you say that because there's a lot of kids that love that band. Love, they love Imagine Dragons. They love it, love it, love it. When I did, I went to Bonham School, Lincoln uh, Performing Arts School, and they had an artist day. And they they set me up in the theater room, and I had put did my drum kit, right, some speakers up, and I ran some, I put some tracks together, right, right. I put Imagine Dragons, and you got first grade all the way up to fifth grade, and they would come in. I did a presentation on drums, and I would place, you know, did some timing, time signatures type of thing. And then I was like, I'm gonna play some tracks, Who Likes Imagine Dragons? And all these kids went crazy. They That's, all went nuts. They yeah, all they they love that band. So
0: And I, well, I see it in my younger students too. They love that band.
1: So in my house, in my home, Aaron likes to listen to um, a wide variety of stuff, but maybe more pop stuff with the kids when she's taking them to school. So they get exposed to that. Um, I pick Lincoln, my five year old, up, so when he gets in my vehicle I play a lot of you know, classic rock and metal. Nice. So I picked him up the other day and I got him in there and I said, I said, uh, hey dude, I got a song for you, man. Check this out. And it's Head Out to the Highway from Judas Priest. This band's called Judas Priest. You dig that? He's like, well, let let it keep playing. Like he's listening. Right. Like he's listening to all aspects of it, which was like, oh my God, I love this so much. He gets done. I'm like, what do you think? He's like, "I I need to have that on my playlist. Nice. Yes. Yes, child yes but uh most of the time you know and it's interesting too it's like alexa play imagine dragons alexa play justin beaver and normally i would be like oh come on kids don't just be not, not really anything else but <laughs> I hear those songs that i'm like oh my god this kid is so good like justin Bieber is so good like he could sing I don't know if he's writing the songs or not. I would assume there's a producer. Production oh, I'm machine. sure he's got a
0: team of people behind that's, him.
1: That's that's behind him writing songs. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, well, isn't Usher behind him? I don't know. I don't know. But it, it just just for the record, in my world, if you're writing your own stuff, you're an artist. If someone's writing it for you and you're performing it, you're an entertainer. I had this argument at work. at they no no, there's still an artist. No, you're an entertainer. I'm staring out my
0: window because I'm debating that in my head, and I agree with you. I agree. If you're not writing anything, but you're performing it, yeah, you're an entertainer. Sure.
1: Which is great. I'm an entertainer. I'm an entertainer. I didn't write anything. All the songs that I play in the cover band, you know, with the with the Wax Factory to the Full Contact Karaoke Band, everything that I'm doing with that, I didn't write any of that stuff. It is just, I'm playing cover songs that someone else wrote, so I'm an entertainer, entertaining a crowd. And that's what we get paid for. I'm not an artist whatsoever.
0: no, I get it. I'd like to be an artist, yeah,
1: the goal was to be an artist <laughs> yeah well i mean i've I've been
0: fortunate enough to be in some amazing original projects. I've recorded some amazing records, and I have writing credits on a few of them, but I still wouldn't consider myself an artist. I make money playing other people's songs. I'm an entertainer, I get it
1: well, uh, thanks to Brian fox uh. I get to collaborate on some cool stuff, you know, and, and, and still be an artist in that form. Um, but it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, it's, it's, the door's still open, you know, for us to always venture into some cool collaboration with writing and still be right. an artist, like, you know. No, I get it. But yeah, I'm having a good time being an entertainer. Yeah. I'm, it takes a lot of the pressure off.
0: It does. And, I mean, I get to play drums and entertain people and see some cool shit and deal with the rest of the crap that comes with it. But I get to play drums, and that's all I really care about. Yeah. So you and I, before we end this thing, I'm not even going to get to the close yet because you and I have to address an issue. We both are huge podcast fans. Mm -hmm. We both listen to a lot of podcasts. Lots. Almost too many. We listen to, at separate times, but we listen to a podcast called The Decibel Geek Podcast. Love that podcast. I dig it. I'm not going to say I love it. I dig it. Uh, I, I like what those guys are doing. However, this is not their fault, but however, they had Vinny Vincent on their podcast. And I'm going to say it on my show right now. Fuck that guy. Now, here's why, though. For somebody... I'm going to give my point of view and you give your point of view. For somebody who bitched about everything he ever had and then disappeared for a million years and then comes back in one of the first long-form interviews he's done, he did a couple short interviews, but he did a long-form interview, he completely threw drummers off the fucking world. He didn't even throw us under the bus. He just threw them off the world. He hates, hates... With a capital H-A-T-E-S, HATES drummers. He said it in the interview more than once, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And if you want proof, kids, go find the show. You can't. Go to about 25 minutes, and he just tells how he hates drummers. And he would like Garlic and Crucifixes to shun them away from him. Because he just wants to play with a drum machine.
1: Right, right. Which is a little fucked up, if you ask me. It's extremely fucked up, because, I mean... I don't know if I don't know if Bobby Rock played on the record or not. I would assume that he did. I know he played on his Vinnie Vincent second record,
0: but even before Bobby Rock, he played with fucking Eric Carr. Yeah, phenomenal drummer.
1: Right. I mean, that, that's just a, a a timekeeper master right there. So, Ugh. so it, it's it's. It, here's my perspective of it. I, I listened to that to that podcast, and I, I'm a little fascinated with Vinnie Vincent. A little bit.
0: I, I am too. You and I have actually talked about this way before this, my show, or yeah, our talk of a show because, ever came up.
1: you know, I can see why he went away. You know, I think he's full of shit. I think he's completely full of shit. Because, and here's why. Because when he's talking a story and listening, go back to listen to the podcast. I say, well, I, we made everything's kind of dramatic and more... Uh, uh, a little mysterious and kind of it's only well I, I couldn't afford a car and it's just kind of it's like you just 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 take that door and bash yourself in the head yes because it's like I agree he was making the things the seem more than what it was he's one of those oh absolutely mountains out of you can, you the can hear hills. it in the way he's trying to explain things it's like just say it don't him haul around about it because you're trying to be dramatic but I don't buy the whole thing that you made four hundred bucks a week playing for Kiss. No, I don't buy it. It was five hundred, maybe. But he did say that on the show. I didn't buy it either. I saw a post about that because someone's like, "Hey, if you look at to see what year that was, that was actually pretty good money back then, you know." And, and if you wrote, so he he wrote songs with Kiss. Yes. So you, and he
0: wrote songs after he was out of Kiss because he helped write a couple songs on Revenge.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. I mean, I'm no music industry major, but you get publishing for that. <laughs> well, number one, you get publishing for that. But number two,
0: and let's, you know me, I call a spade a fucking shovel. Back then, when he was claiming he only made 500 bucks a week in KISS, I don't give a shit what time period it was. He was making more than that because that's when the industry had money and they spent money. Well, I yeah, guarantee but, but, but you he was, was
1: making more than 500 bucks a week. Right, right. And and from, from my understanding, not that I'm a ginormous Kiss fan, uh, but from my understanding, it's the same reason with Ace Fraley and, and Peter Chris When they were out of the band, there's a clause. You couldn't do shit for five years. That might have been the case. You couldn't do anything because the way that Kiss split up the money, it, whatever you did, they got a piece up. Right. Or you could be quiet, and go away for 5 years and you continue to get a piece of what they were doing. Right. That's how they ran things. I didn't know I that. I mean, they're geniuses. I mean, I mean Oh, absolutely. Gene Simmons knows what he's doing. That's I mean, a he's a smart fucking dude. He's a smart guy and he he got it. He ran like a business. But anyway, so I'm listening to this thing and I'm like, let's give this dude a chance and I never really listened to anything other than Love Kills. With the Love Kill song? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it took me a second. It's on think the movie soundtrack, whatever. Yeah. I think that's a really great song. Well, I like, I like the
0: second Vinnie Vincent record he did better than the first Vinnie Vincent. So the second one is the one that had Mark
1: Slaughter on it. Right, right. I, I didn't... Who's the guy he talks about all the time? Who's the singer? That was oh,
0: the a guy named John something. Or Robert something.
1: Yeah, uh, 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 Fleischman.
0: Yes, Robert Fleischman. I'd never heard of that guy either.
1: I never heard of that dude. But well, I never heard of him until I saw the Vinnie Vincent YouTube videos where he's coming out and he's talking about where he's been and things he's been through and whatnot, which I still think he's full of shit. Because I think he's just kind of over. I, I think someone went, Hey, man, Gene's doing this vault thing. He wants you to be a part of it. We need to ramp you up to make you seem tortured. So you, can, so you can write a book about this whole thing because at the end of the day your guitar playing is for shit. It's it's like I describe Benny Vinson's guitar playing like this. If Vernon Reed was to snort a big pile of cocaine and pick up his guitar that's Benny Vinson. Like there's not it's all one key uh, but really fast. <laughs> I, I get that. In fact
0: I uh, I don't know what I did with it. I had my phone. I was going to I'm going to read this on my show because I texted you this yesterday. I said, "How the fuck can a dude that has that shitty tone in a bazillion notes say anything bad about drummers?" I texted you that, right? Because that's how pissed off I was.
1: Yeah, and, and and you know, he he. It sounds to me like he was an incredible pain in the ass to work with in the studio. I would agree. I, I mean, just, in, I just can't imagine and I'm like what was the music industry thinking. When he record, how did he get that gig with Kiss? I mean, I get that Kiss wanted unknowns. Right. Let's get Eric Carr in there because he's an unknown. They want to continue the makeup, so they wanted people that were completely unknowns. So they probably tolerated some bullshit to get someone who is a complete unknown. But that dude was terrible. I mean, the songs that I do like that he was on, there's no solos. Look it up. Interestingly and, 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 enough. <laughs> I'm gonna people are gonna hate me for saying this, but one of my favorite kiss songs, I wouldn't say top favorite, but I'd tell you, it's up there. And it's up there in like a top ten for me kiss songs is all Hell's Breaking loose. It's not a bad song It's uh, not a bad song. I'm not gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna have to, I
0: mean, gonna when, you, have to when you got the, when out. you had
1: the line it's like Dude walked up and said, hey, man, what be this and what be that and why you got to look like that. And I just said, hey, man, I am cool. I am the breeze. <laughs> That's, to commit to that lyric. That's true. That's true. To imagine Paul Stanley or whoever actually wrote the lyric that they bought it from. To commit to that lyric in the studio, you just have to go. It's, it's either the dumbest shit on the planet, or you have to go, this is genius.
0: No, I, I get it. Well, in going back to Vinnie Vincent, that was one of the other things that pissed me off besides his hate for drummers. He was talking about he, how he likes the English language, and he likes the words, and he likes things that have a deeper meaning. And his favorite song on that Vinnie Vincent record was, I'm Gonna Fill You Up With My Love. Oh yeah, I,
1: I, I, quality again, there, bro. Again, I didn't know anything about a lot of the stuff that he did, um, other than he was in Kiss, and I liked some of, I, I liked some of that, you know, Look It Up and All Hells Breaking Loose, and I liked some of those songs, because I liked Kiss. Right. And then Love Kills, I, I mean, I love that song. I think it's genius produced, I think it's really great, his solos are real subtle, right? very melodic, I think it's a really great song. Um but in that podcast they talk about some of this stuff and they play some of these songs. You're like, Oh my god, this is awful. It's garbage. Like, everything about yeah. it is awful. I mean, I it it just makes I, I don't know on how they can glamorize this dude's yes, he was a part of KISS, but uh So was Mark Saint John. No.
0: Ah, I see
1: what I did well, there. Yeah, but we, so was Mark St. John. But yeah, but who was the dude that played all the studio stuff? Bruce Kulick,
0: and you know. and his brother Bob Kulick. Bob. Bob Kulick is how they met. Bruce Kulick.
1: Right, but it's Bob is we should who we should be celebrating. <laughs> I <laughs> not, I agree. I agree. not Vinnie Vince I mean, if there's anybody you're going to celebrate that that had a collaboration and a big impact on Kiss, it's Bob. It's not. Well, and Anton
0: Fig, don't forget about Anton Fig. Anton Fig,
1: yeah.
0: Cuz Anton Fig played a lot of those drum parts. But let's here's why we're talking about this because this is what I find the most fascinating, the most interesting. He has all these opinions and all these ideas and all this shit that surrounds him, which is great. We all have opinions. I'm an opinionated fucker. I get it. But he has all these opinions and I think my opinion, speaking of opinions, is the only reason he's so revered. Is because he did a tour, he did a record, he got fired, got in some legal trouble, and then disappeared. He made himself this own little enigma. And every few years, he would do some shit to get himself in the news. Like, I don't know, beat his wife or kill some dogs. Whatever the fuck he did, well, whether it was well, true or not, is irrelevant. He, did, he didn't kill. he didn't kill the dog. He was smart enough to just keep himself enough under the radar where nobody could find him, but then he would pop up every now and then.
1: He, he, here's my take on it. And
0: um, that's what I think. He just used that celebrity and that fame he had in Kiss to keep himself relevant.
1: I don't know. I, I have a, a slightly different view. I, okay. I think that he... The, the inter- I listened to a different interview with him that was really cool. and it is, He talked about how he got the gig and he collaborated with him a lot before even getting the gig. And... What brought him to Los Angeles? Like, you know, same old classic stories from wherever he was from. And he had a a friend that worked at a big, one of the big entertainment agencies. Right. Like, hey, man, you know, I've got some interest in your songs. People like this stuff. You're good. Get out here. Boom. Nothing happens. He finds himself meeting those guys, collaborating with Gene and Paul, and then working with them. Not thinking he's going to get the gig, and he ends up getting the gig. You know what I'm saying? Like, you get the gig with a Kiss. Right. So, I think he's a self-tortured soul. I would agree with that. But the saddest thing that I thought was, when I watched his interview when he came back, was he kept referring to his attorney and best friend. I got the vibe. I don't think it's him. I think the vault thing came out, and I think that there's people surrounding him that went there's an opportunity here to make some money off this guy let's get him out in the public let's get him to write a book let's get let's book some tours and if he self-destructs we'll make more money think about that for a second if he achieves well it's only going to last for a short period of time before people stop giving a shit right the mysterious Vinnie Vincent's coming back here's what he's gone through let's go see him play live to see if he can really pull off what he used to do let's see what the band's all about what not well that's only like going to last for a short period of time what you're paying for is to see if he self-destructs to see if this guy that Paul and Jean painted as a pain in the ass difficult dude to work with and to hear him rip drummers my instant response was oh imagine being in the stu- I would have fucking wore this dude out of the studio
0: oh absolutely you
1: know it would have been like alright but I feel kind of I feel sorry for him in a way that, that makes any sense I don't, don't
0: but I, it does make sense. I'm but not. I don't. I'm not Fuck sure. Him. I'm not sure if this is if this is
1: his <laughs> own doing of like it's time. He kept saying it's just it was time. It's time to come out. Yeah, and, and bring this back again.
0: I, I caught that too, but here's why I say I, I agree with you. I, I think there is. It is probably has something to do with his lawyers and all that stuff and people trying to make money off of him. I get that, but I don't feel sorry for him. The same way I don't feel sorry. I never felt sorry for Kurt Cobain. And I know that's a fucking stretch, but hear me out for a second. Ever, Kurt always used to bitch about he hates the industry and he hates this. and he da, 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 me, me. Why'd you sign the fucking contract? You can say no is the point I'm making. You can say no. So that's why I don't feel sorry for Vinny. Okay. If he's being used or whatever, that's
1: great. I get it. But he could still say, you know what?
0: I don't really want to do that.
1: I'm going to throw this out there on the Kurt Cobain thing. Not really a Nirvana fan. I'm not either. I thought that they did write some really great songs. They did. They definitely changed the music industry at a time when it definitely needed to be changed. I agree with all of that. There was a huge false narrative about Kurt Cobain. Have you seen the the Soaked in Bleach thing yet?
0: I think I have. I have to think about it. Maybe I haven't. If I have to think that hard, maybe I haven't. So I'll go with no then. I'll if you no. would
1: have, if you've seen Soaked in Bleach, you would not be saying that about Krypton at all. For those of you that haven't seen Soaked in Bleach, watch it, watch it, watch it, watch this thing. Okay, I will find
0: it and I will watch it. And if I change my point and of gonna view, you're going to call
1: me up and you're going to go, "Holy shit!"
0: No, no, no. I was, pro- of course, I'll do that. I'll fucking call you tomorrow. But I'll be at Kroger. If I, you will be at Kroger. <laughs> if I change my point of view. I will admit it on the show. But everything I've researched and everything I've seen over the years, because you and I are of the same age. You're five years older than me, but we're still of the same age. We lived through that shift. I was there. I was in the middle of all that shit. Everything I know of him, he could have said no. That's all That's all I'm saying.
1: But everything that I've read of him and everything, I said this documentary and whatnot, like, he had plans for this. He had goals as a teenager of being a huge band like this. And it wasn't until The Wife came around that this false narrative of tortured rock star and these stomach pains started to come about. Watch the documentary. So what I said on Jess's episode is true. Courtney
0: Love is nothing but a hole. Watch the documentary. High five in the microphone.
1: Yeah, if if you watch the documentary, then you'll. It, it, it okay, I watch it. it. It blew my mind. I'll, I'll just say that. No, whether or if all of it is true and accurate. Well, documentaries are always skewed anyway, but it's skewed. But there's a lot of evidence supporting the theory. All right, I watch it. It's and and it's a lot of a lot of facts that we didn't really know. I mean, everybody just went, "Oh, dumb." My my thought was like, "Oh, here's this dumb." millionaire tortured rock star that that, you know, did heroin because and and partied and shot himself. I never even said any of that.
0: And I I... But the young me when it happened thought that. No, I get that. I wasn't even thinking about
1: any of that. I get why they party and do all that bullshit because Yeah, but how do you how do you how do you shoot enough heroin to overdose ten times and still have the ability Take your stuff, wrap it up nice and neat, take your driver's license out, sit it out where people can see it, and then twist yourself in this bizarro... He would have to literally have done this weird twist to get the gun at the right angle and somehow pull that trigger like that to have accomplished this by himself. That's a good point. I never
0: thought about any of that.
1: But And why was the gun destroyed the next day and why was the room burned and remodeled immediately?
0: No, there there's that, too. But for the record, I wasn't talking about any of that. I was talking about early when he signed the contract. That's all I was getting at. But that is a
1: good point. Well, no, I mean you you bring you make my, me think my, my point was, from the way I understand it was, he wanted all of that. He wanted Rockstar. He gotcha. wanted all that stuff. he he wanted all
0: and that. and then the narrative got twisted. i'll I'll check out the documentary for sure. The narrative
1: got twisted when he wanted life to change. He when he from what I've read in the documentary, like, when he wanted life to change, and I mean, look how big they were. You oh, they were would, huge. You definitely want your life, you would want things to change. When he wanted life to change, that's when these false narratives started coming out. Gotcha. When he was like, I want life to change, and you should change. No, absolutely, I you, agree. You have to you have to grow. So, we'll end this section with... Yeah, because I need a nap. Right.
0: <laughs> we'll end this section with, I need to watch that documentary, but can we both agree that... Fuck Vinnie Vincent... That's how this whole thing started, anyway. For sure.
1: I mean, I mean, will I watch? Yes, absolutely. I'll watch that train wreck all day long. Because you know, it's for the same reason people slow down in traffic to see what's what's happened up in an accident. It's one of these things where you know Benny Benson's going to train wreck. You 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 know he is. Um, Kudos, I think. And I'll just say this to Gene and Paul because they have ample opportunity to. Throw a false narrative out there about Vinny to really tear him down. Yeah, and they really haven't. I mean, they did in the past. Well, yeah, but they've done that to themselves too. But they haven't done that, which is, which for me, I was like, well, you know, that that's super cool. They're letting this dude just, get, you know, and gene has got him as part of the vault, and and he's out there doing his thing. So they they could really tear him down, but they're not. They're really just. They're not helping him either. Right. But they're just just—they're just throwing it out there. And But well, no, they are helping him. Because you don't get to be a part of a KISS convention without them signing off on it. That
0: is true. That is true. I just think the whole thing is stupid. And I just think any musician or anybody that calls themselves a musician or anybody that considers themselves to have a legacy as being a phenomenal musician can throw drummers as a whole under the bus because rock drummers as he put it and I quote rock drummers have no soul when they play a beat yeah. unquote first of all fucker it's not a beat it's a groove a beat is how music is measured put that in your fucking shredding guitar pipe and smoke it
1: well and, and you're and you're going like it is a personal attack you 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 take it personal in a way but also you know as soon as that goes well I wouldn't be on that level anyway and I start thinking about guys of back in that day. Like I do too. Jimmy Deanda, and 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 all these great, you know, the uh, Jeff Beccaro. right? <laughs> Steve Steve Smith, hello, I mean, uh, Dean Dean Castronova. He was, I mean, Dean. phenomenal drummers.
0: Well, even the two two of the biggest drummers that Vinnie ever played with, Bobby Rock
1: and Eric Carr. Both of those dudes were fantastic fucking drummers. Yeah. And so, Bobby Bobby was everything that I saw. I, I, I saw Bobby play with Nelson. I saw, I think it was Nelson and Winger. I'm not sure who else. Oh, no, There's there. another
0: one, Rod Morgenstein. Yeah. Ugh. I saw Bobby Rock in a clinic. I never saw him in concert. I saw him in a clinic years ago. Phenomenal drummer.
1: Yeah, Super he, nice guy. He killed it. Did a great job. You know, it, it, For me, it, I, I forget which podcast. I found the podcast or the interview that, I listened to that. I think it's it's either Red Beach or it was Kip Winger, uh, or may have been Rod. You're always like, why? Why was the dude from the Dixie Dregs and Winger? What? Is that,
0: that was Rod Morganstein. I'm no, was that was he? Kip Winger.
1: It was on Eddie Trunk. Why was he? What's he doing? Yeah, when he talks about their, him and Reb are in this, yep, like closet where we're just like just writing songs and whatnot, and just like, yep. Hey, and you guys it- know Rod Morganstein, right? You know, it's just like.
0: Can you come and do some drums and that? Yeah, I, re- I remember that.
1: But it, it's, it, you know, I love listening to the stories like that because it's like, keep pushing it, keep going, don't, don't stop. You know, don't, don't give up playing ever. Don't, uh-uh. you know, you, you might be playing in, 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 bars or doing weddings or corporate gigs, but you know, you never know when that's going to lead to the next thing or next big thing or next no huge thing. You just, you never know. I mean, give it, give a hundred ten percent credit And John Huffman, I take little pieces of what people say. And like John Huffman said this great thing to me one time. He said, play every gig like you're going to die in a fiery car crash on the ride home.
0: Okay. That's good advice, but it's kind of fucking scary.
1: Have you ever watched John play? Oh, yeah. He total rock stars it out. Like, and it's awesome. Like, there could be 10 people in the crowd. He's just given a thousand percent and he lives it. And it's like, you know, that always, when he said that to me, man, that stuck with me. And that was, I think we were in a band together playing. He, that was so many years ago. And it just always stuck with me. And I, I was thinking of another thing last night. Just real quick. Those in there. Pat Smith played in the fire department. I saw Pat last night. He plays in the band with uh Mike. Mike was out at the gig.
0: Oh, gotcha, 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 gotcha.
1: So they play in Bugs and Me Rant. And, and, and Pat pulled up, was talking to Mike. And I was like, hey, man. You know, I was like, did not see you in a long time. I was like, dude, you said the best thing to me one time. So... I'm playing with me, Billy Gibson. Could have been horseshoes and hand grenades, maybe. Me, and Billy Gibson on bass. I can't remember Jason's last name on guitar and Steve Clark on vocals. Right. And we're we're rehearsing in Pat's basement, and they said you can practice during the day. No one's ever there. I right. had a key to the basement, so I'm practicing one day. I'm playing with it. I get done playing. I'm tweaking a drum or something. I hear these footsteps shit, that's Pat. I don't really know Pat other than I was terrified of Pat because I woke him up. Right. And I know he had a gig the night before some crazy party or something. And I hear the the basement door open. I'm like, oh, damn it. It's like, you know, do you ever watch Home Alone with the fire? Oh, yeah. Furnace? That was yeah, yeah. my experience with Pat. So Pat comes down there. He looks at me and I'm terrified. I'm probably 18, 19, maybe. Maybe 20. He was like, come over here. We walked in, we both sit on this couch. We let, he lit up another Marlboro Red, took a sip of his coffee. <sighs> I've been listening to you guys play when you practice down here. Your band's pretty good. I think you're pretty good. You're playing the song way too many times. Like, what do you mean? He goes, you need to not play some of these songs you guys are playing. You keep trying to make them feel right. He said, always remember this. You're working on a new song, you get three passes. You play the song three times. Every band can't play the same song. Every song's not meant for every band to play. You play that song, if it doesn't feel good by the third pass, that song ain't meant for you to play. You, that song's not meant for you to play. Don't huh. ever play that song again. And I have taken that with me my entire career. Interesting. Been like, nope, we're not playing that. Doesn't feel right. Like you can't keep for you.
0: you can, I agree with it a hundred percent. You can keep interesting. You can he keep phrased re- it that, can that way. You keep
1: rehearsing it. Right to try to get the maybe maybe to get the accuracy on the lick. We're like, hey, can we run through that bridge part? Let me really get that guitar lick down. But it it's the feel of the it's the feel of those musicians playing that song. If it's just not right, it's just not right.
0: No, that's that's a good way to phrase it. We're going to leave that there
1: cuz I need a nap or another cup of coffee.
0: Well, that's it, kids. <laughs> We're going to go have some coffee. That's the uh that's the show for the week.
1: I uh that was a good one. It was fun. Uh, we we'll definitely have to do this again. Oh, we're
0: going to have to because I've, 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 I've thrown you under the bus enough. Oh, let to.
1: me see. So I'm going to get uh, hate email about the DW stuff. Yeah. What else? Maybe some backing tracks because what's the, what, what's the backing tracks? Can't just, what's the difference between people just DJing? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, this, I was, you know, By that point, it's fucking karaoke. That's my favorite one. You know what I like to say when people do that? What? Oh, you can't play to a click. I'm sorry. Another high five in the microphone. <laughs> because that's
0: my favorite thing to say to people. Well, how do you do... Because I can play to a click. And then when their face just goes blank, that's usually when I walk away. You got nothing. Yes. What Anything that's going to come out of your mouth is so, going to be so, irrelevant.
1: So how, how, how do I do all this? Uh, can you never play to a click? No. Yeah. You can't. Sorry. Yeah, sorry.
0: So that's it. Would I hope you, you guys... Would, would you like my rates? Oh. <laughs>
1: A kid, mm. that is why I love you, kid.
0: No, don't, don't, kid, dude. It is what it is.
1: Bankers get paid
0: <laughs> for their shit. Yeah, just, engineers get paid for their shit.
1: Some engineers know, you, get you, paid way too much, but bands have to evolve. Listen, you, uh, again, I'm going to do a Gary V thing. Uh, Vaynerchuk. Yes, Gary Vaynerchuk. Vaynerchuk. Gary, if you don't, if you're not listening to Gary Vaynerchuk, there's and, something wrong with you. And you're a musician or entrepreneur, or you're trying to do. You're trying, if you're just
0: trying to be a better human, listen to Gary Vee.
1: Listen to Gary Vee, man, because it's like you, you you, have to evolve. You have to take what you're doing. You have to evolve because if you're not evolving, you're obsolete. I agree. And, and, and our industry, as far as music, is changing. It's not changing as rapid. We go through drastic, quick, big changes. Yep. So... My mindset is always prepped up to where the next thing is going to be so I can change and evolve with that quickly as opposed to like, oh crap, well, I'm not needed anymore for any of this. I can't, you know, if I didn't do what I do with the backing track wise and all that type of stuff, it's like, you know, yeah, I'd probably still be playing, but what songs would I be playing? Right. You know,
0: well, you, lo- you lose out on a bunch of different tunes that you, you just can't reproduce the shit without the tracks. But we could do a whole show on that, and we're not going to. So we're going to... Yeah, you need a an nap, and uh, I hope you guys learned something. You will be back, because you have your own RMT. We already know what that means.
1: It's, it's hashtag RMT. Uh, you could go to uh, RyanMurphyTime.com. <laughs> but no, come on, see a show. Come out and see me play. Absolutely. Waxfactoryband.com. <laughs> Or come out and see the karaoke band at FullContactKaraokeBand.com. Event dates are all listed. Yep. You can find everything on Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube, Instagram. Instagram. Mm -hmm. Instagram.
0: Yep, you can find it everywhere. And uh, as I say at the end of every episode, go do some shit. Go see some live music.
1: Go have some fun. Yes. Go do some shit.
0: Yeah, go do some shit. I I like how Chuck said it on one episode. He said, Shit! He put a bunch of stink on it.
1: Hey, so listen. Let me throw this in there. So I'm listening to Chris Evans' episode, right? Which is hilariously funny. You ever heard the first time I met Chris? You haven't. So I'm not sure who got a hold of Chris to play with into Me. I think it was Brian. So we're going to go play with Chris for the first time at Mom's Music with End Me, right? Right. And I'm driving uh, to Mom's going down, you know. So I'm driving like a normal person. <laughs> I'm in the right-hand lane, and I'm... Uh, you know, the mom's in Jeffersonville, right? So you're almost to that light to where the shopping center is. Yeah. It's, at, it's where the Moby Dick's is, whatnot. So, and then this buffoon comes, rah, and this sports car comes, like, flying around me, like, up on me, rah, whips in front, and, like, just makes the light and takes off and leaves me at the light. And I'm just furious. I'm, like, throwing stuff in my car and just, like, just mad as hell because this happened. And I come walking, I'm like... My, damn it, what's up man? I'm like driving, dude almost kills me, man. runs down the side of the emergency lane and pops in front of me and pops through the light. Dude, people are stupid, they're idiots. And Chris Evans walks up and goes, hey man, that was me, my name is Chris <laughs> <laughs> And you can't, you know, you can't
0: hate on Chris once you meet him. You
1: can't, because he's so, he's such a personality, right, he's so smiley, he does that smile and you're like, Yeah okay you you okay we 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 have to have this guy in the band. uh, There's a select of musicians that I just absolutely adored playing with and spending time with, and he is high on that list. Like he's he's that dude, man, to where it was just like it was like your whole attitude changed. Well, it's it, when he and, walked into the room and you got up on stage with him. It's just like he's like, isn't this just he, like his attitude? Is like, isn't this the greatest thing in the world? <laughs> well, and since you listen to that episode, you know that him and I,
0: when we wrote together, we butted heads bad. But when we played together and we hung together, it was perfect. But there was there was something in our both of our personalities when we would write, it would it just got bitchy is the only word I can think of. But I agree with everything you say. Yes, I I, uh, I adore Chris, and I adored him when he was playing bass in Willow Creek with me. Yeah, because yeah. when we were in Heaven Hill, he was a guitar player, and then when I found out, obviously through playing in Heaven Hill and shit, and I got him in Willow Creek, that was awesome too. So, yeah, I, I love me some Chris, and that's pretty funny that I forgot about that. He cut you off. Six degrees of rhyme, Murphy. You guys told it's So go take a nap. I'm totally keeping about this. No so until next time, I will talk with you soon.